this pleases me. Oh, yeah. This pleases me. This. Smart Home Technology. Technology. Alexa, please turn the heating up. I'm very cold. After that, please play. Digger Digger. Here is the station for porn detecting. Oh no, 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 no. I do not want this. Alexa, stop. Smartphones. Stupid people. Smartphones. Smartphones, stupid people. Smartphones, stupid people. Smartphones. Stupid people. Smartphones. Good happening? Not or? good. No, not good. Hello, 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 everyone. I think we are good. I just got a little <laughs> weird glitch there. Um, good. Hi. We're just going to act like it's all good. <laughs> just <laughs> as every time? <laughs> no, that was a bit weird. It uh, told me that a video file wasn't loaded. It doesn't matter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Smart Home Stupid People. My name is Eris Felmuth. And uh, I'm Marlene Siege. Yes. And uh, today, check reality, reality check. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What does that mean to you, Mary? Well, that I not believe everything that has that that has been told to me, but also that that I can see, you know, out there. And I'm not watching TV or listening to the news. That's there. Therefore, there's not so much coming at me. But just to check in for myself and ask myself is that what it's presented in front of me is that real mm -hmm. or should i dig deeper and look for more information to figure out if it's really real if i can't tell yeah i would say so you know when i want to have a little reality check um i'll just slap myself <laughs> exactly <laughs> you slap yourself in the face well not uh, for me um I'm going to bring up my notes. Today I have a couple notes. It's a bit strange. We don't typically have notes. Yeah. Maybe as a transmission. I, I learned actually a reality check when I was learning about... Transition? A transition? A transmission. Transmission is transmitieren. Was that? That's not what I meant? No. Oh, I just like as a as a bridge. Übergang. Yeah. Transition. Transition. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now I forgot the transition. <laughs> no, that was... I was actually involved in a in a dream workshop and I will have a dream workshop at the weekend again. So that's why on Sunday, next Sunday, I don't know if Aries will broadcast anyways, but I won't be there. Mm -hmm. But there we learned to have a reality check to look at your hand and see if you have five fingers on your hand to make sure that you're not dreaming. So it basically just means to check that the things that you for sure know, you know, that there mm -hmm. are there. That's uh, that's something actually I want to bring back up oh, yeah. um, because I have a story to say about that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna just make that. Notes you know, here. you would if you would see a cat with with only three legs, you would say something is is not right here, <laughs> it's like, or something is. Oh, and it, it starts flying. Then you know something's wrong with my reality. I need to check in yeah. again. You know, yeah. if you see things that are obviously can't be real. Yeah. So um, years back, I uh, did a lot of research into lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm, yeah, because I, I I typically have a lot of lucid dreams, mm -hmm. and one of the techniques that I had learned was to actually um, take time throughout the day mm -hmm. to look at your hand. Yeah, I learned the same thing also right? through uh, lucid dreaming. Yeah, yeah, and if you do this every day uh, consistently enough, 
then in your dream, you will want to look at your hand. And mm -hmm. it's often the case that when you try to look at your hand in your dream, you realize you're dreaming because it's not the same as looking at it mm -hmm. in reality. Mm -hmm. And the reason for doing this is actually to be able to kick in the awareness that you are dreaming and mm -hmm. you're lucid. And that maybe uh, now you can do some funky stuff mm -hmm. like breathe underwater and fly around. Yeah, I had that once. It was a really cool experience, though. I have it all the time. And yeah. this is uh, <laughs> one of the main reasons why I wanted to uh, to learn more about it because of mm -hmm. how many lucid dreams I've had in my life. Mm -hmm. And I still do to this day um, to try and figure out techniques in order to be able to navigate my lucid dreams mm -hmm. and to figure out what it, what I'm doing there, what what I'm tapping into. Some people um, often say, and I've had this a few times in my life, you know, that lucid dreams are so closely locked into uh, outer body experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it's happened to me a few times in my life where I felt that I've been floating or that I fell yeah, yeah. into my bed, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and woke up. And, like, but uh, that's that was a little <laughs> off topic today. But actually, I really like the way the the the, the way that you went into that mm -hmm. is that checking our reality. You know, how do we know we're not dreaming? Right? Mm -hmm. How do we know that our reality is real? How do we know that what we know is real? And I think that's more what I was actually focusing on today is how do you know that what you know is real? How do mm -hmm. you know that your ideas are your ideas? Mm -hmm. When you have been manipulated for so many years. Yeah. Um, and all that. Your beliefs, uh, even product purchasing and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. There are companies that have millions and millions and millions of dollars invested into making it so that you subconsciously buy things without mm -hmm. really acknowledging the fact that you need this or want this mm -hmm. or anything. Mm -hmm. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, okay, so now things are tapping into my subconscious in order to you know, make me a better consumer. Mm -hmm. So what does that really mean for my decision-making? And this is kind of, uh, I've mentioned this in a few other episodes that when we're at the store and I see something that could be an impulse buy, I always buy it the next time. Mm -hmm. Or no, I always tell myself, don't buy it today. Mm. Think about it. If you really want it, get it next time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I'm pretty adamant about trying to have a specific list yeah. of stuff that I'm going to buy that I want. And I go into the store just for that. And if I see anything else that's yeah. interesting, you know, once in a while you see something on sale and you're like, I actually need that. That, you know, <laughs> sure. I had that happen to me once. There was a Dremel set and I actually needed that for something. Mm. And it was, it was a bunch of used stuff and yeah. uh, that worked out really well. Yeah, I think it's also going hand in hand with having a budget for certain things. You know, once you yep. reach the budget in that moment or in that month, you know, I can't afford this. So you wait for, for the next month. And if it's still important, then you can have it the next month. But it's not that instant gratification all the time. So that's right. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, back to the topic. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, a big reason why I, I want to focus on this today is because I'm seeing more and more, as Madeline said, we don't have TV here. Mm -hmm. um, we, when we watch something, it'll be something that we specifically want to watch on the mm -hmm. computer. Um, I have pretty heavy pop-up blockers on all my computers, so I don't get commercials when I watch YouTube or anything like that. If I choose to watch YouTube, which is not very often. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's one of these things like when you can try to minimize as much as you can, the, um, this constant sensory input yep. from the outside world around you, I find it a little bit easier to navigate the Absolutely. world with your with my own decisions, right? Yeah, I'm and, doing this. Hmm? Yeah, Sorry. I'm doing this now since 2015, so like a couple of years already. And uh, people ask me, and I was like, "But, but you, will you, you miss everything that's going on in the world, and it's important really to don't. be informed." <laughs> and I was, I was, I thought like there was not a single moment where I didn't 
caught up on the things that which were really you know like uh, big changes i oh. also realized that there was a covid outbreak i also realized that the queen died <laughs> without you know having that constant um news around me just because the the most important things will get through because people start talking about it right so you'll eventually catch up and in conversations i don't want to talk about these daily news right. stuff because i can see it it, just, it puts fear into the people it um, puts like doubt and and um yeah especially fear so i highly highly can recommend this <laughs> like just stay out of the news <laughs> as much as you can right I, it's, it really it, does a lot of good absolutely clear yeah. it helps clear your mind yeah. and, and stay clear it's funny um here i'm gonna pull something up and i'm gonna say a story in a second yeah uh, but but it, it's it's completely accurate in the sense that george orwell so um eric blair the guy who wrote 1984 um he has a section in the book about this when when people all just watch the news all the time and then mm -hmm. they sit down and have a conversation mm -hmm. he says their conversation is more a regurgitation of what's actually been presented to them the mm -hmm. whole day mm -hmm. and i think in his book he called it quack talk or duck talk or duck something talk, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it's supposed to be like the people are just sitting at the table trying <laughs> to just quack at each other without <laughs> actually you know conversing yeah. any real information yeah, or anything yeah. like that yeah. right and and this is this is another reality check because yeah. i often have that where i meet someone we sit down we start to hang out and then he just starts doing that stuff to me and i'm thinking to myself I don't know if there's a point in talking to him or even mm -hmm. responding mm -hmm. because he's not actually talking to me. Yeah, that's it's just right? like repeating something that you heard somewhere in the news, but it's just not like, you know, how are you doing? Yep. Like really connecting with someone else. It's more about, you know, yeah. And I also realized that whenever I am actually somewhere, thank you. There you go. <laughs> somewhere where there is a TV behind or I don't know, it happened a couple of times when you then basically actually see a TV program is it's painful to me i can't watch it anymore even if i wanted to <laughs> like it's really painful like it's so far away now and i can't believe that i watched tv for many many years during my teenage times right and right it was a big part of my life i was bored a lot so i was watching yep. all these um stuff but just as the news as well so that was the one of the biggest changes that i did in my life that were so amazing and had amazing impact on my life so right yeah. you know it's 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 funny <laughs> could yeah. it be that the more we yeah you know our main slogan could it be that the more that we uh our our environment becomes accommodating to us that we lose the ability to take care of ourselves mm. this is th this is an example what are you losing well i when think you have to explain it more how you mean it in that context well what i mean that's what i'm saying yeah. is exactly in, in this context what i'm talking about is when you are constantly surrounded by media mm -hmm. sensory input or or just world news sensory input mm. all the time. Mm. Yeah, okay, so you've learned a lot about what's happening outside of your environment, mm -hmm. which is not normal in a biological sense, but in some cases it it can be helpful, right? Yeah. The the but the truth is that if you spend your whole life in this sense of fear, mm. what are you losing really? Mm. You're losing the ability to actually just moment to moment actually be present. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and and and, and even make a connection to your own environment. I would even say the purpose of the news is not to really inform ourselves, but kind of That's put ideas into thing. our head and make us believe that, you know, yeah, that that just creating that fear and that constant drama around us. Also, just, as you said, you know, people are sitting in front of the TV watching what else is going on around the world. 
but yet maybe at the same time they have their family and not knowing what's going on in their own family because yeah. they're not taking that time to really talk to their spouses or children yeah. all that right so yeah i i agree mm. um so I'm not sure exactly where we should go first. <laughs> Wherever you want to start, you are you you are, you know, it's it's kind of mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So just for you guys to, <laughs> out there, I I I, I, I you know as, uh. as as you've seen I know as you've seen in um, previous episodes, I, uh, I I broke my shoulder and my foot a couple months ago and I'm recuperating. Things have been going really well, mm -hmm. and I until <laughs> I, uh, I I made a I made a little online video the other day. Um, f f you know, as a musician, unrelated to uh, levels of absurdity, music, radio, TV, and smart home, stupid people, and uh, I figured it'd be funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a part of it, <laughs> and uh, this, I, I say this because this now also comes into that idea of you lose what you don't use. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm, so, I'm putting this out there. So I, I pulled. Uh, I don't know if I pulled the muscle or if it's stiff, hoping it's the latter that. Um, Mm -hmm. The muscles, uh, because of the uh, shoulder, I haven't been using any of the muscles around my neck area too much. And I'm hoping, I already kind of had issues because I've broken my collarbone before and the way that my muscles now, I use them. It's not, you know, I don't use them in a very symmetrical way. So I have to do all these exercises to always prevent <laughs> atrophy and, you know, to tune and train the little muscles, the little guys. Yeah. What do you want to say? You're making that face <laughs> that you want to say something. I just like, I think your neck wanted to make a reality check if it's still able to do some head, so head banging or. <laughs> that's exactly it. So I did, a, I did a little video where I was head banging in it. <laughs> and uh, for 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 all of you old and perhaps too young people out there, headbang is when you get into the music and you bang oh, your head. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, right? we can describe that too. Well. And uh, I was getting into it, moving your head rhythmically. <laughs> and um, I, I really got into it. And then I picked my head up, and you know, because I got long hair, and so when my hair is in front, like down in front of my face, I have to whip my head back in order to get it out of my face. Um, I just felt it. It was like. Right, that's kind of like the way it felt and sounded in my head. Yeah, and then I realized oh, I did it. That's gonna suck. And then I I looked at the the camera and I'm thinking, it, it, should I record this video or not? I'm like, all right, let's do it now because the pain and the stiffness won't set in for at least 20 minutes. Let's get it done. <laughs> and so I did the video anyway. And the whole video, I'm like playing, and the entire time, all I can concentrate on is my neck and the stiffness and how it sucks. And so I'm really like not in the moment playing, and I'm I'm, I'm completely off time in some areas. You were out of reality. <laughs> out yeah. of reality. But this was that whole idea, and I realized to myself, I was feeling really good. You know, I was like, oh, my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore. My foot doesn't hurt anymore. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, I wasn't quite in tune with the rest of me that was saying, hold on, we're not ready to run this race yet. We're almost 40. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> that, <laughs> no, I just all wanted, that stuff comes together, absolutely. Want to take him and put him next to the cat who also had kind of like a stiff uh, tail. Comparing me to the cat? No, not comparing you, but you, you just know. just did. No, I, I wanted to put you to the cat. He's also yeah. kind of disabled. I have no idea what you mean by that. <laughs> So yeah, we have a disabled cat. He kind of like messed up his tail. Yeah, so, so I just thought so like now, now I can have... just put him also onto the sofa to the cat who's ah, also disabled. Oh ah, yeah, by the cat. By I the see cat. What you're saying. What, what did you say? <laughs> Give Let... me that look. <laughs> here, well, she's cat obsessed. That's what I'm saying. Ah, okay. So um, here, I'll show you guys what I had done. And uh, the audio and video won't be synced, but you guys will get the idea. So this was... Um, a little bass guitar cover that I had done, which was fun. You know, I, I typically pay, play a lot of really complicated music on bass, and I decided to put out one of my warm-up songs mm -hmm. because it's really, really easy. To warm up the neck. 
Right. Lo and behold, <laughs> sorry, I'm 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 keep going now because it's just like it's, a little funny though. It's what happened. Yep. And uh, it's one of these things now. where this is also I know as a musician, don't over practice. Mm-hmm. Like not before a gig. Don't think to yourself, oh, I'm just going to go through it one more time mm-hmm. um, to ma- to make sure that I really know my parts before I go. Yeah, yeah. Your body knows them. You know them. Mm-hmm. Don't overdo it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, I'll just do one more run through, one more take before, right? And 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 I do that, and it was. It's one of these things because it was a good take, right? Mm-hmm. And I messed up my neck and I'm thinking to myself afterwards, I'm like, I, I should have just recorded the first one when I did break, you know, mess my neck up and that would have been it, right? So anyway, mm. we're going off on a, on a big side note here, but uh, here, I'll play the song. This is uh, Prophecy by Soulfly, just a little piece of it, right? Here, maybe I'll turn it down a little bit because I'm sure it'll kick in. But the unfortunate nature of uh, checking your reality, mm-hmm. checking what you're capable of before you do it. So this is a great song from the 90s. I mm-hmm. really liked it. I don't know if you remember it too much. Yeah. 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 So any of you guys want to go see this, biomusicproductions.com, <laughs> YouTube, all that stuff. Well, without knowing that you actually, you know, kind of ruined your neck. It, it doesn't look like it, though. So yeah, you look pretty agile. <laughs> All right, anyway, enough of that. I, <laughs> that was a that was a bit of a, of a side note, but at the same time, just wanted to say that uh, on a side note, yeah, that, that's kind of like actually what um, in, inspired me to do this episode today. We were going to do something completely different, and Madeline hadn't had the time to do the research that she wanted to do for it, so we'll yeah. bring it to you guys maybe in a week or two. Yeah. Um, well, and that would be an episode about music, uh, zoo musicology. Which I'm really excited music about. Zoology. Music zoology. Yeah, oh, I was zoo musicology. At, I I found music zoology. Really? Zoo zoo musicology. Zoo musicology is what I found. Okay, well I I, I look into it. I will do my research because I will also combine it then with my uh, pod and video cast in German. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like always using the the resources for different things as well. And um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Right on. So let's go back to today's main topic and right before i do i just want to say to everybody out there we are available rockfin rumble twitch d live telegram we are also streaming to telegram today we are not streaming to youtube like we did last time um mm-hmm. which is a very rare thing yeah that was only because of my channel exactly we decided to uh, last time with maddie went all in to talk about something that was true and dear to her heart and um mm-hmm. to do a simulcast to her YouTube channel at that also time Also had too. something to do with reality check. Actually. Absolutely. We can talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we are also in audio form live on Podbean. I don't see anybody in there yet. So I'm hoping to see people chime in. Yeah, today, today's like a Wednesday. What's going on? Everybody's so quiet, <laughs> right? There are people on, on I could see on Rockfin. Um, we also got people on... The rough weekend. Yeah, right? Twitch, DLive, that kind of thing. But um, anyway, for those of you out there who are also interested in the Twitch or DLive platforms, we changed the name, unfortunately, on Twitch and DLive to Smart Homes Slow People <laughs> because Twitch didn't like the, the, stupid. the, the stupid people. They, they they thought that to be offensive. So All right. I don't know. Fuck them. Slow. Um, we'll take it slow. Then. Yeah, we'll take it slow. Exactly. And um, for those of you out there who want to bidirectionally chat with us during the show, go check out our Telegram channel called Smart Home Stupid People. And from there, I'm trying to even find it. There it is. Uh, from there, you will be able to bidirectionally communicate with us during the show, ask questions, and even call in if you have mm. a question that you would like to ask in audio form. Open up your phone, 
open up the, the Smart Home Stupid chat, which is linked to the Smart Home Stupid People channel. And you can say, hi, I have a question I'd like to call in. And then I will bring you into the show and we will have a lovely conversation. Hmm. There we go. So that's that for that. Um, oh, we got someone coming in already. What is that saying? <laughs> I'm here just getting ready to meet up the in-laws. They want to do competitive pumpkin carving. Competitive pumpkin carving. <laughs> that I will refuse to participate in. <laughs> My hands are not made for that. I Yeah, I, I've heard of competitive pumpkin par- uh, carving, but I've forgotten about that because we don't really celebrate Halloween in Europe. Well, well, it's getting it bigger and yeah, bigger each but, year, but it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, Halloween over here is more like um, the commercial Halloween. Yeah. I have to take this with me. It hurts my neck to look at you like that. <laughs> I know. That's, that's why I had to even tell you in the audience about it because it's clear today that I'm moving a little bit like a robot. There we go. Um, so mm-hmm. after that video that I had recorded last night or yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. it was kind of that reality check moment where I'm thinking, okay, I should be paying attention to myself, to my body, to my environment, mm-hmm. be more in the moment, mm-hmm. take things one part, one piece at a time. Mm-hmm and analyze things. And it's one of these ideas of don't go into a fight like a bull with your head forward because Mm. the first thing that'll get hit will be your head, (laughs) right? If you don't want to get your head chopped off, then maybe you shouldn't be putting it into the fight first head on, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing I find when you go into um, certain applications. If you just dive into it, you you tend to turn on that animalistic fight or flight mode a little bit too quickly and you don't really pay attention to your environment and you're not calm. And I try mm-hmm. to stay as calm and collected as possible mm-hmm. when um, doing these things. What else do we have here? It's also to celebrate and use the autumn harvest. Yes. Yeah. No. I just read about this because I wanted to do like a little shamanic ritual at the end of the month mm-hmm. because the first of November is Samhain. Samhain is the, the, the Celtic. Yeah. Yes. So it's the Celtic um, kind of Thanksgiving part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it has a lot to do with, it's the end of the Celtic year. So it actually starts then in November, the new year. That's mm-hmm. what I've read. And during that time, the the worlds between, you know, the everyday world and the kind of the worlds of the spirits is a little thinner. So you can actually contact and, and get in touch more with your family, the history of it, to mm-hmm. really say thank you for whatever you see during the year and get in contact with your... The history know, of the land. The history of the land <laughs> and you uh, just uh, all the ancestors that you are, you know, connected with still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's nice. I actually, uh, so when I when I was looking into Celtic studies... Um, the Celtic calendar, if you think of it as um, you have a year, like a circle, mm-hmm. um, and then you cut it into four pieces, like a pizza, right? Mm-hmm. Those four lines are the, the the summer solstice, the winter solstice, and the two equinoxes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put two more lines into it further and cut the year into eight pieces, mm-hmm. this is where then you start to see a lot of these celebrations oh, yeah. um, so landing. Like in bulk and Beltane. Yeah, so between yeah. the equinox and the winter solstice, you will find Samhain. Mm-hmm. And Samhain is typically, like you mentioned, it's like we celebrate it today on the 31st of October, mm-hmm. but it's actually more closer to the middle of November traditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would begin as a season mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the beginning can... of November, uh, but then it'll keep going and... Um, 
end closer to the mid of November. You can actually also feel it that something is changing in the land and from the energetic level. When you, you know, want to, you know, be be more at home, and you want to get more cuddly and all that. <laughs> uh, on, on a <laughs> on a weird, as well. morbid uh, take on that, you know, I've been mm -hmm. to Iceland many times. I, I studied Icelandic for a while, and um, I, I I think that their culture and their their landscape is just their the, their geographic placement on the planet. That they're this little embargoed island in the north that that was long forgotten for quite some time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the only time we ever hear anything about Iceland is like you know when they come down to 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 show the rest of the world that they're still there. It's because they're like dominating in football or or some weird sport, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but actually, it's interesting because the energy, you know, over there, um, the winter is very long, very quiet, mm -hmm. and very still. Mm. And um, it's it's a weird, morbid thing. I was going to say uh, that uh, the suicide rate in um, Iceland mm -hmm. is highest in springtime because when the energy mm. comes back, mm -hmm. it's almost too intense it's like a disturbance for a lot mm -hmm, of people mm -hmm. because they just got so used to um something a little bit more peaceful yeah i actually really enjoy more the winter time where i'm more at home and you know just relaxing and mm. i'm more the winter type well in, absolutely. in in german i i really love the winter i mean i go out and i try to swim as much as i can we cut holes in the ice and jump in and all that stuff um But here, like I mentioned a couple seasons, a couple episodes ago, the gray season here in Germany mm. is is very yeah, very hard, especially in Berlin. It's very yeah. gray. It, it, <laughs> some, some, like the last couple of years have been a much a, a much better. But when I first came here, the first three four years was like from November to February gray. That's true. And when spring comes, holy hell, are you happy <laughs> about it? Because even everything here around around Berlin uh, where we're, we are in Brandenburg but I mean uh, even here too everything is so gray mm. all they don't have evergreens over here all the mm -hmm. trees uh, you know the leaves have fallen they they have pine trees here but they only have a little bit of like needles at the top like mm -hmm. way at the top so it doesn't really mm -hmm. do much for it's color it's still pretty gray set <laughs> Yeah, so well, they're not native to this area either. You know, they were imported here uh, mm -hmm. during the reforestation. Yeah, of we Germany. used to have like really big um, forests, you know, with with oak and beech and all go. that. So um, let's talk about now yeah. reality checking. Mm -hmm. Let's get back into that. Let's mm -hmm. talk about something that I called um, when I wrote it down here: uh, a mental spring cleaning. Mm -hmm. Right now, this is something <laughs> that I, I learned way back when and uh, the idea is to think of your head as a house mm -hmm. right and you're going to do spring cleaning once in a while and uh, you know obviously the word spring is in there so it, it kind of in you know says that it maybe it's an annual thing i think that you do it really really well every couple years maybe a decade or mm -hmm. so um and then after that every year just a little bit to keep up and make sure that you're still there mm -hmm. And what it means is you take out everything in from your mind and you just set it aside. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about everything that you believe in. Yeah. All the things mentally that help you, you know, perhaps collectively make a decision mm -hmm. in, in your daily life. Mm -hmm. And the idea of this spring cleaning is then to take out all of your ideas and put them on the curb, you know, take them outside of the house, put them out on the sidewalk and you bring them back into the house one at a time and you look at them. And you analyze them and you ask yourself, do I still need you? Mm. And this could be so something like, you know, um, childhood pain, right? This could be the relationships in your life. This could be um, 
a bunch of dogmas that perhaps mm-hmm. you've accumulated via your religion mm-hmm. throughout the years. This could also just be um, understanding. You know, this is uh, something that I then from this exercise created back when I was about 18, I think it was. Um, I, when I was uh, in my mid-teens, I, I got really obsessed with um, with absurdity. I read um, a book by Albert Camus, who is a French author, uh, called The Myth of Sisyphus, translated to English as well. And at the time, it was like one of the first French books that I can actually read through properly and thought, oh, this book doesn't suck. Uh, <laughs> most French books I didn't like, I, I found French to be a very dull language for literature, actually. Not, I mean, not everybody agrees on that, but that, that, was, that was my take. I just fell asleep during French books. Um, the only other couple ones I liked, I think, was like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. I found to be, you know, amusing, only because Quasimodo would jump around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. Other than that, it was boring. Um, so, back when I was about eighteen, I created this idea um, for myself as a mental exercise that I called uh, "Levels of Absurdity," which is what I also named my other podcast after. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I, I, I just haven't been able to really let go in my life. It's not the, the idea of the absurd is such a fascinating thing to me, mm-hmm. you know? And for those of you out there who don't really know what I'm talking about, traditionally the word absurd just means doesn't fit into reality. It's crazy. It's absurd, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of absurdity in a philosophical sense, right? Now, if we're talking about Kierkegaard, Jasper's, um, uh, what's it, Nietzsche and these kind, Nietzsche was more nihilistic, right? But you had all these other people who were really diving into uh, Chestov, um, Heidegger, all these people who were diving into uh, absurd philosophy. And they did it because what they were trying to understand is, is reality, is our reality and is our existence meaningful? Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you had to first ask the question, is it absurd? Mm -hmm. What is absurd and what is meaningful? Mm -hmm. And that to me became, it's not for everybody. I think a lot of people find it very difficult to look at themselves because it's painful. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I quite invited that. Mm. You know, I, I, I invited this pain in because I felt the growth. Mm-hmm. I felt the, uh, um, the positive change in the way that I would look at the world yeah, and relate yeah. to it. And that's what, you know, our show is about. It's about the way that we relate to the world. Mm-hmm. And what better way to relate to the world than to fact check, not fact check, but to check your reality. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, check for yourself yeah. objectively and subjectively. Yeah. What is my reality? What is real? What do mm-hmm. I, what, what do I feel? Yeah. What are my influ- uh, influences? What, what are my decisions being influenced by? And, yeah. and to take that all and just put it somewhere and say, is that me? Mm. Am I just that or am I more? And this is where that whole idea now even translates into spirituality because you often find out that all the stuff that you believe and you think and your experiences, when you take them out of you and put them somewhere, I feel that I'm more. I feel (laughs) that I'm not just my experiences. I think there's something more to it than that. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so my, my idea for levels of absurdity was now um, a philosophy that I started building for myself. And it was the idea that if you truly break down everything and you become one of these people who believe that everything is absurd, now you're you're getting into nihilism mm-hmm. because everything is absurd. Mm-hmm. But even still, even if everything was absurd, even if nihilism was reality, that everything is meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. That it doesn't matter what you do. Everything just rots and fades away, you know, a law of entropy. 
if this is all true, then at what point do you start justifying your decisions? Yeah. And so the level of absurdity that I called the level of absurdity was the level for each one of us that we create for ourselves mm -hmm. to then decide, I can't go any lower than this mm. because anything lower than that is complete absurdity. So I'm going to build something just above absurdity and that's going to fundamentally uh, alter the way that I look at mm -hmm. the world and make decisions. Now, if you're a person that says, uh, energy, God, universal, and you completely, absolutely, utterly believe that and say, it's impossible to uh, say that the the, the universe mm -hmm. is um, not an energetic thing and that mm -hmm. God doesn't exist. If you truly think that God cannot exist, that he has to exist, yeah, right? Um, or cannot not exist, exist is what yeah. I want to say, uh, <laughs> that he has to exist, yeah. then your level of absurdity starts right there in that in that idea that, yeah. okay, God has to exist. Yeah, Therefore, yeah. you don't have the mental ability to look at anything below. It's kind of your baseline. It's your baseline, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the level of absurdity is at what level mm -hmm. for you, above the absurd, are you basing your decisions? Because mm -hmm. these are choices. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. the other thing that I wanted to put forward. The choice to believe in God is a choice based off of maybe your own personal mm -hmm. connection to reality, to nature, to mm. to your religion, whatever it is that you're you're into, right? But it's still in the end a choice. And yeah. that was something that I used to empower myself to realize that I have choice. Mm -hmm. You know, I I like if if someone's gonna harm me, mm -hmm. this is where that idea comes into not being the victim anymore. If someone is gonna harm me, I have to. I could still. I still have the choice whether their harm harms me, whether I like it or not. Yeah, yeah. It's your right. I can choose to be a masochist and say I love it. You do it. Do it again, baby. <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> if you want to, right? Yeah. But in the end, it's still a choice. Mm. It, some of these choices we make, like I said, sometimes the masochist becomes a masochist to to make reality more pleasurable because reality is shit. Yeah. Right. So maybe someone's being beaten all the time and decides, you know what? I'm just gonna enjoy the beatings. And then I can move on from there and just have a good life. The beatings don't stop, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna roll with it, right? Yeah. And this is a weird thing, and we do this all the time. Sometimes that beating is going to work 40 hours a week. True. Some yeah. of us think to ourselves, I love my job. I just keep it coming. Give me more work. I love it. The same way that we would just ex in, in, then 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 become a masochist during the beatings. Mm. You know, we choose to fade out the negative side of pain mm -hmm. in order to cope with reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. Like I've seen it in relationships to some people. You know, you know that this specific person doesn't do you well, but you keep you keep going and you keep mm -hmm. seeing this person because you maybe you feel responsible. Or you, right. yeah, you you think ah, it wasn't that bad, you know? She didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. It's it's okay. I I should not just be so critic critical with with mm -hmm. him or her. But at the end, it's it's harming you. It's kind of like even how you say that, Körperverletzung. It's <laughs> yeah, it's bodily harm. Yeah, and you at one point, and I had it my life too. At one point, I couldn't I couldn't neglected anymore i couldn't ignore it anymore so i really made a cut and said no more I'm, i'm i'm leaving the situation now but it took me a while to have that reality check that's actually mm -hmm. you know how this is yeah so for all of you guys out there who want to ask questions specifically in rumble and in rockfin 
the chat is not integrated, but please feel free to ask questions. This is a really slow day for for people chiming in and saying, hey, how's it going? <laughs> I, I'm actually really wondering if we <laughs> messed up the stream. We'll figure it out in the end. So we'll see. T sometimes people come in a little bit later and mm. uh, the participation happens at the end of the show. Um but I know that we're online because we def we already had one person come in. So we'll we'll see how uh, if other people start uh, yeah. taking we into have this. Enough to or maybe talk. the maybe the <laughs> topic's a bit deep and they're just uh, in full relaxing mode and uh, well, indulging. Please do if that's the case. Yeah, maybe. don't feel obligated. Yeah. Um, so let's let's, let's keep in. It, let's keep it going because for me, like I mentioned before, is that when I started taking everything out of my head mm -hmm. and putting it out on the curb and making my head empty you know um that was when i was I, I was really beginning my journey i think with a lot of the heavier meditation and stuff like that and i carried it on through my mid-20s uh, i still do meditation but not as often i think that um, there was a time in my life where i was really really into it because i was just it was an exploratory mode mm. um now i feel myself being more gravitated towards it and i think the reason for that being is that i just got into heavy work mm -hmm. over the last um six mm -hmm. seven years mm -hmm. And it's been hard, right? You know, you, I think my work, it brought a lot of joy, but now a lot of that's changing for me. And so this is a big reason why I'm now going back to the absurd yeah. and I'm going back to my my previous techniques to try and find what it is that I want to connect to. Yeah, I think it's really, you know, important. Like for me, I can feel it to really have the daily meditation part and just the time to put aside for myself and to just sit and, you know, watch my, my breath and just to really connect with everything that is around me. Because if I neglect that, I can barely feel like I'm really losing yeah. the, the side of what's really important. And sometimes, well, the, over the last couple of months, I was really busy with the book. So I, I just couldn't make the time but i now see that i don't want to give up this ever again for something else because this mm -hmm. is my high priority in the morning just having that time sit aside and just relax and be with myself and everything that is around me because that prepares me for the day and it gives me the scope for what's right. important and so i'm not getting entangled too much anymore in everything else yeah yeah big thing and mm -hmm. this goes into another part that i'd actually like to talk about today and that's actually with a lot of the garbage happening on the planet today, mm. do we need to constantly be reminded of it? Mm. What importance does it really play for us? Mm -hmm. And to me, uh, it, it's it's what you also mentioned before. It's it it often it's just a distraction. Yeah, it is also kind of making you you on one hand is a distraction, but also making you numb. You, you feel like mm -hmm. oh well, then I can't do anything anymore because it's already so bad. Yeah. Then you you don't do anything at all because you. You become discouraged and yep. having that, you know, it, it doesn't matter anymore mode. Yeah. And I also think that just be just just to to know about it won't change anything. Really, it's a it's important to to become active, but also what does that mean? What will really mm -hmm. change things? And I I've I've said it over and over again. It's not that we need to. I said that. Implement all these rules and regulations that we have from the government and the polit politics in order to keep people out of nature. Yeah. But it's more about the reconnecting and to become aware of that we are part of nature and we are also amazing creatures, just as every snail, <laughs> every worm, and every bee around us. But we forgot about it. We forgot that we have the same. We have. The, we are working kind of the same way and we are all connected with each other. This is something that I think it's the core issue. I'm I'm reading a book now called Spiritual Ecology, which 
is written by different people and their mm -hmm. opinions about some are biologists, some are more like um, community leaders and also shamanic healers. And they all say the same thing. And I also, from my point of view, have the same outcome from mm -hmm. my research and everything that I've done so far. That is really, we have to realize again that we are part of nature, not from the outside, so-called like an ecocentric mm -hmm. worldview and not a human-centric <laughs> kind of. You know, yeah. that it, Let's so let's jump into this now. So now we're getting mm -hmm. into the next part of the show. Um, I recently so I bought this book um, a while back. I can't remember when it was. Mm -hmm. When maybe 2015 was the first time I spent like two. I spent quite a few. I think uh, four six weeks I spent in Iceland, and I brought this book with me. You and have I, to say what it is. You can't. See. Yeah, I'm putting it on camera <laughs> first, and then I'm going to say what it oh, is. Okay. <laughs> Um, and this book here was was a real big change for me, I must say, in my my out view, mm -hmm. uh, just like what you were saying. Mm -hmm. And the book is called Merchants of Despair, Radical Environmentalists, Criminal Pseudoscientists, and the Fatal Cult of Anti-Humanism. Mm -hmm. It's got a brutal title. Like, a, like when you it read that- It says everything. <laughs> it says everything. When you when you hear something, I'm going to read it again, just so you guys have heard this. Like the Merchants of, so Merchants of Despair is the name of the book. Radical environmentalists, criminal pseudoscientists, and the fatal cult of anti-humanism. Now, what makes this book so special, in, in my opinion, is it's written by Dr. Robert Zubrin. Mm -hmm. Robert Zubrin is um, um, essentially a space and an, aer an aerospace engineer. So what he does is he builds stuff that's supposed to survive in space. Mm -hmm. And he, much like many other people, grew up in you know in the 60s and the 70s and saw the Apollo programs and the moon mm -hmm. landings and was enthralled and thought to himself mm -hmm. I want to be a part of this upcoming new world. Yeah. I'm going to go out and get myself a scientific education, you know, much like many of the kids growing up in the back it, 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 at that time, what was it? Dinosaurs or or space? <laughs> I mean, these were the two big things that were just so fascinating, right? <laughs> to 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 children. I, I was one of them in the in the early 80s. I remember well early 80s in the mid um late 80s when I was really young. Um, just loving the dinosaurs and the and and like already knowing the names of the planets and all mm -hmm. these different dinosaurs, which later on, uh, uh, what was his name? Um, that scientist that came out and started killing off all the dinosaurs. Uh, it'll come to me. Mm. He, he he created the Chickenosaurus program. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll write I wanna... it. I'll figure it out. I'll write it in there and I'll and I'll get it. Um, I actually want to read the first two sentences on the on the sure. Go ahead. Uh, on the um, yeah, yeah. I'll just read. <laughs> So there was a time when humanity looked into the mirror and saw something precious, worth protecting and fighting for, indeed worth liberating. But now we are beset on all sides by propaganda promoting a radical, radically different viewpoint. According to this idea, human beings are a cancer upon the earth, a species whose aspirations and appetites are endangering the natural order. This is the core of anti-humanism. Yeah. Yeah. So it says everything, and absolutely. I also what I experienced in my scientific scientific yeah, world worlds, and also in my my work in the foundations. You know, there's always that idea that we humans are bad and we have to to be controlled, but yet no one talks about that we are part of nature as well. And anymore. It's anymore. A, or, you know what? I think that as well in, in, in the um, educational community. Yeah. Absolutely. It never really was there. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that he really goes into very yeah. deeply in this book. And 
Yeah, I, I agree that, you know, there are a lot of things that are caused by humans which are destroying the earth. But I would say that this comes out of a mind which is not natural to humans. It's it's something that is driven by by greed, by how to say that, like career <laughs> well, what ego he... stuff. So it's not not the natural state of, of yeah. a human being, not something that would live with other animals according, just as you see in, in a lot of indigenous tribes. These people are also humans, but are they, you know, destroying their land? No, they're living with it because they know mm. that they are part of it and they know how important it is that everything is in a in a in a flowing state. Right. Yeah. Um, oh crap, I had a VPN on earlier. I wanted to bring up a page mm -hmm. to, to, because I, um, so what I wanted to get into was a big thing that Robert Zubrin talks about in this book is, is very on par to what we're talking about today. The idea of checking your reality. Mm -hmm. And this is what happened to him. This was kind of like, when you see the guy, he had, he had many books before this and they all were about space, mm -hmm. being excited to go to Mars, mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. excited to discover, being excited mm -hmm. that there's a new frontier that we haven't touched yet mm -hmm. and we haven't left Earth, low Earth orbit since, you know, what, the 70s. So why, you know, so, so for him, he struggled after getting out of college, the university, <clears throat> and wanting to build stuff that would bring us to the next mm -hmm. frontier and do mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. every time. The budgets got cut mm. every time the projects got canceled yeah and yeah. it was always the same story no we need more money for war no we need more money for uh um, um political issues on earth <laughs> and in his mind he's thinking what is going on mm. how is it that during the cold war we all as a as a as a, as a civilization mm. specifically in in the western world we got behind one another and we 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 were so interested in engineering and all of this stuff and the amount of inventions and technology and connections to reality that we built mm -hmm. Just because of the people that who decided to become educated in that area are just like look around us right look at everything that we have going on yeah what he inevitably realized and this is why he says the word the fatal cult of anti-humanism is he says over and over and what he believes and this is goes back to uh Neil Kramer a guy who I've quoted before he Neil Kramer says that you have human empires you have human culture and you have empirical culture mm -hmm. and empire is a word that he uses to talk about this global cult that now Robert Zubrin is also talking about mm -hmm. talking that there really is a cult of manipulation of anti-humanism that is trying as hard as they can to spread anti-humanism through all of the grapevines that they mm -hmm. control mm -hmm. into our reality in order yeah. to give this perception to people. Well, until a point where you as a human being feel ashamed to be alive at all because you are causing harm to everything around you. That's you right. know, this, and this is an awful way to, to, to live. Yeah, well, human cultures thrive. Like we're talking about real cultures right mm. um but i mean by real cultures i'm talking like i'm saying disney and coca-cola are not real cultures <laughs> you know transgenderism is not a real culture these are things that are created by um by by propaganda right mm -hmm. these are things that are created by um by media empires mm -hmm. right a lot of the stuff that you hear nowadays on on uh, in in the television and um in on the radio and just everywhere in multi in the in, like the plethora of medias that we have 
we we are constantly bombarded with these things that are be, we're being told our culture. Mm-hmm. They're not human culture. They have nothing to do with the human soul. They're mm-hmm. empirical in nature mm-hmm. and created by empire in order to do one big thing, what Neil Kramer lovely puts out and says, um, empire seeks to keep people procreating just enough mm-hmm. in pain mm-hmm. for eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, not too much procreation, not too little, mm-hmm. just enough, but in pain. Keep mm-hmm. us in pain mm-hmm. and in fear yeah. and tap into those those old prehistoric senses that are inside of us of fight and flight, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And keep us in that state so that we don't realize who we are. Yeah, exactly. And if you're in that state and that uh, just barely surviving mode, you are so concentrated on the survival that you are not going up into a higher you know, energy level, which is realizing who you really are, that yeah. you have a spirit, that you are connected with everything around you, that you are able to create a life fulfilled and happy for yourself and everything that is around you. Huge. Because if people are yeah. happy and living a life that they enjoy, guess what? They're not interested in exploiting others, ex- harming animals or plants or yeah. taking more than they need. And everything would kind of balance itself out. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to go through a couple of the chapter yeah. titles. And I've read this book now a few times. Yeah. And maybe just one more thing yeah, that I it. just had in mind, because I would say if you, the same with animals, if you put an animal into a corner and if you put if it's afraid and you can see that with with our cats as well they mm-hmm. they start acting out of fear which means they they, they become um, violent and they could even harm nervous. you yeah. nervous and they are not in their normal submissive calm state <laughs> not <laughs> submissive but in they're not relaxed and when they're relaxed you can see they're really enjoying but if they're in fear they're not really themselves. They really are just acting on on bare survival, and of course, they yep. they start um, behaving differently. So that's I think what also works with our humans. That's why we are how we are at the moment because that pressure and fear just makes us blind. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So you want me to go through? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. gonna go through this now. <laughs> so chapter one through sixteen. I'll try to make this quick and not go too much into detail about them. Um, but the first one, I actually want to stop and talk about uh, because now we're talking to a world class biologist, and yep. we can get her opinion on this. So the first, the way that he builds this book is really interesting. Mm-hmm. He starts off chapter one right away, Thomas Malthus, mm-hmm. and he calls him the most dismal scientist. Dismal. Dismal, like uh, dismal. Bruiser, like evil, oh, okay. kind mm-hmm. of like right. Do you know who Thomas Malthus is? You, you told me. But I told you, but frankly. so this is this is interesting because you don't know him by name. Mm-hmm. But did you ever read Limits to Growth? I heard about it. Yeah, you heard about it. So in the German yeah. world, it's not a big thing. No, good. Um, so Limits to Growth was something that was created by Malthus back in the eighteen something. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember exactly when. Um, and he predated um, Darwin and Francis Galton, mm-hmm. right? And Thomas Malthus put together this idea around the 1800s, um, somewhere, I can't remember exactly, I have to find out exactly when he uh, put his his manifest together. But what he did is he put forth the idea that humans um, hoard resources mm-hmm. and use up environment resources much like a cockroach does, like they, would, like they put forth in the matrix, you know, that <laughs> we are like a virus. Mm-hmm. We just eat everything up and procreate until mm-hmm. we die and we consume everything. Mm-hmm. And so what Robert did is, him being a wonderful scientist and a really good statistician um, put together a bunch of charts and ideas and said, listen, humans are, like Madeline has said in the past many times, humans are um, 
uh, what, what's the word um, when they build their environment? It, ecosystem engineers. Yes. Humans <laughs> are ecosystem engineers. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, we create amazing people. Now there's a there's a rapper. <laughs> I don't I don't really listen to his music, but I've listened to him a few times and I and I love hearing the guy talk. KRS1, right? I'm not much into uh, um rapped all that much, but one thing that he said many years ago was actually after the Obama um inauguration because you know a lot of black people were very happy to see a black person mm -hmm. come into office. Mm -hmm. And what KRS1 said, he said, you know, I see a lot of my African brothers out there um, partying and, and celebrating that the black man is now in a position of power. But what he said is he said, I think it's good that this bridge has been crossed, mm -hmm. that we now know it's possible. Mm -hmm. But he said, but don't be fooled by the color of his skin, that just because a black man is in power, that uh, we all now have an equal leg to stand on. In mm -hmm. the sense that it's possible that they, that putting someone in that kind of power was just uh, an illusion mm. to make other people believe that that mm -hmm. bridge has been crossed mm -hmm. when it hasn't. And mm -hmm. what I mean by hasn't is what a lot of the black people would say is, you know, they'd say the people running the world, right? In that context. Mm -hmm. And in, them, in their mind, in many black people's mind, it has been white people mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. But in in um in, in in the truth of the of, of reality is you're seeing yeah there is a group of people running the world. Who the hell are they and what are they doing and why? Mm. This is what this book now goes really deep into it. But mm -hmm. one thing that KRS one said he said really well he said, um, the sun. You have um in order for the sun to exist and continue burning, you have one molecule uh, of, uh, of, uh, of 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 um, hydrogen that burns and catches fire under the pressure of the sun mm -hmm. and ignites and creates a chain reaction and continues and continues and continues. The The interesting thing is that actually science had to kind of be rewritten many years ago when we used to believe that... Uh, you want to let the cat in? <laughs> uh, Sounds uh, like she has a mouse. Oh, no. Here. Sorry, guys. We have to pause for a little second. No, no, no. Then put her outside. And don't have. Don't bring the dead mouse into the video cast. Yeah, yeah. She probably. Baby mouse. Well, don't. <laughs> All right, guys. So this is a funny little intermission. Sorry. No, just take her and take her out. All righty. What I was gonna say. I'm just... Oh my god. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put it onto this view before. Here, how about you come into the camera and you talk about it, and I'll and I'll fix this. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, yeah. <laughs> She's so proud that we always have to, you know, like kind of make her <laughs> believe that she did a, well, a good thing here. Um, yeah. So, I'm I'm here. Iris will take care of the cat. He's back in a second. And I don't know <laughs> what else to say. Yeah. So, we will continue with the book. I think Eris is um, having fun there. <laughs> it sounds like it's funny because I always can hear if she brings in the mouse because she has a different kind of meowing. She's then like, wow, because she has the mouse in her mouth. There she goes. There we go. <laughs> so she's oh, just going to relax right now and sit on the floor. It's all good. My blanket? You want your blanket? Yes, back. it's really cold in here. All right, guys. Thank you. Sorry about that. I'll continue uh, with my idea. <laughs> so what I was talking about was when uh, KRS-One had mentioned that the way that the sun burns, 
we learned in chemistry um, that if the the pressure of the sun and what we call um, electric electrons when they orbit the uh, the the atom mm-hmm. like the the nucleus mm-hmm. um, that when the electrons are stolen from the the molecule that a reaction can occur mm-hmm. but the funny thing is is that obviously the orbit theory doesn't hold water because if it did the sun the, the sun would have extinguished since then mm-hmm. and this is why the orbit theory became the orbital theory mm-hmm. and the orbital oh, yeah. theory means that there's a probability mm-hmm. that the electron you could never tell exactly how far away it is from the atom mm-hmm. but sometimes the electron goes really far away from the atom mm-hmm. and when it does that electron then is able to be used in an, in another reaction mm-hmm. because it now bonds to something else. Yep, yep, yep. And the idea was the reason why the sun doesn't extinguish like that and burns and burns and burns for as long as we've known it to be burning is because it requires, I think, like one out of every million or, or whatever atoms to lose its electron randomly mm-hmm. in order to create that reaction. Mm-hmm. So something has to happen, a gamble that one in every million loses for the sun to continue lighting. Hmm. And so it's a probability that we have decided uh, to go with now as our, our new uh, theory for how chemistry actually works in the in the chemical reaction world. And the idea was that very simply, it's the same with people. Yep. One out of every million people will be an unbelievable dude. <laughs> an unbelievable <laughs> gal will come up with just things that nobody else saw. Oh, wow. Right, and that's what Robert Zubrin now talks about in his book too. He says that the if you start saying that humans are evil and we start cutting down the population, well, where do we start? Let's take let's just take for example the last hundred years. Let's just get rid of fifty percent of the discoveries. Let's get rid of fifty percent of the great guys, fifty percent of the musicians. Who are you going to mm-hmm. pick between Pink Floyd or Kurt Cobain? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, this, this is one of these things where. Um, we like that idea that we're in control. Mm-hmm. And when we deem something to be evil, that it's justified. Mm. But the reality is, is how many people do you guys now know who are under 40 that have more than two kids? Mm. And now, how many do you guys know who are under 70 and have more than four kids? Right? This is This is a scary thing because now you're starting to see that in the Western world... Our, our 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 birth rate is completely political because it has been created that way. Mm-hmm. And this is a big, big, big thing that he talks about in mm-hmm. this book. So I'm going to continue. He's talks, he starts talking about Thomas Malthus, the most dismal scientist. And Ma- Thomas Malthus created this idea for limits to growth, saying that the greater that our population gets, the more we'll consume resources and um, we will die out and kill everything on the planet. Mm-hmm. But his predictions in every single way have always failed every single time because he never, ever, ever was able to foresee the creative wonder that is humankind and people, mm-hmm. right? So for a long time, they said, we're going to run out of this, so we're going to run out of that. And then we come across a discovery that says, no, we don't need that. Or this is how we do it, and it makes it much more easier, mm-hmm. and it's so mm-hmm. much more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so on and so forth, right? So Malthusianism is an interesting thing because like nothing that Thomas Malthus ever said came to reality. It was always wrong. And yet it still kind of became the doctrine that what we call limits to growth that we still learn about today as something relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a big thing because what we were talking about before is the whole idea of um, greenwashing. 
Yeah. The idea of greenwashing is based off limits to growth. It's the idea that we have to um, limit the way that humans interact with reality in order to save reality, right? Hmm. But the, 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 the fact of the matter is, is now if we actually start checking our reality, Let's do a reality check and let's look into that. Mm. Let's look into this question a little bit. I'm going to go for, uh, forward. He, his further chapters are called Darwinism, Moral Inversion. So he goes into the idea that um, Darwinism was used as a weapon, mm-hmm. right? Because now that you had the idea of, uh, of evolution, this theory was the, was the reason why his cousin, Francis Galton, came up with eugenics. Right. And presented this, I think, in around 1910. And England loved it because they were able to start doing craniometry and all this stuff. And England said, you know what? Irish people have a lot more in common with Negroes than the rest Mm -hmm. of us UK people. So therefore, we're justified to enslave them and to and to deem them subhuman. And that's what happened. It's the same thing they did during the India tree uh, uh, tea trade, right? And and this is now you're starting to see how all of a sudden science such as limits to growth and Darwinism, which is the theory of evolution, which both of these ideas are okay ideas to have. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it. I think that a lot of positive stuff came from Darwin. The problem is, is in whose hand is that, is that tool going to be used? Yeah. And when that tool is going to be used as a weapon, how bad is it going to be? I just also wanted to say with the resources, you know, I think we are calculating the, or we saying the resources are not enough on the, on the level, how we use them today. And, how also the growth of the of the businesses are calculated mm-hmm. in the future. But That's if right. you would take away all this stuff that we basically not need, you know, like all the consuming of stuff that is produced in China, all the things that you really don't need are, or you're just buying it because, you know, you're not happy with your life. You are uh, indulging in, co- in consuming stuff to make you feel better. You're mm-hmm. buying cars and TVs and whatever, all this stuff. Which are, well, I just can't say from my own experience, you know, not necessary to make you happy, but the, the problems are somewhere else. They are within you. If you're not happy with yourself, there are no TV, no car will ever bring you that happiness. Yeah. But this is what people are trying to, to, to make that pain at least a little bit bearable, right? So that's why we right. have these issues with the resources. We're using them for shit we don't need. That's right. Um, I want to talk more about that, but let, I'm just going to yeah. read through the chapters quick. Um, so next it goes into uh, Deutschland über alles, which is now we're talking about um, uh, World War II and the Holocaust. Eugenics comes to America. The Nazi Holocaust, eugenics reborn in defense of malaria. This is a really interesting one. The malaria thing mm-hmm. is very, very um, relevant in today's world. Mm-hmm. Malaria was essentially pretty much eradicated. And it was eradicated by DDT. Mm-hmm. Now, we know today that DDT is a horrible chemical. It's a mm-hmm. terrible pesticide mm-hmm. brought to us by Monsanto. Um, and we shouldn't apply it. Mm-hmm. But the reason why it began to be applied and was discontinued, he goes into detail in this book. And this now goes back into that idea of the cult, mm-hmm. right? The empire. And again, who is really in charge of how many resources when and where we as a society uh, locally and or globally use. Mm -hmm. This is now the scary thing. And this is kind of the idea now of what I was even getting at before is that the illusion that a bridge has been 
uh, crossed for all of us. Mm -hmm. Now we all have the ability to do it. Just like going to the moon. Mm -hmm. That bridge had been crossed. So now we have this opportunity to do anything. Well, that opportunity hasn't, hasn't, it's been laid still, it's been laid to rest for 40 years now. Mm -hmm. And and this mm -hmm. is one of these things where you, you, you start to ask yourself, is it real? Is it, so now you start to do reality checks and you get a lot of people out there. There are all these new movements now talking about never went to the moon. Uh, we've we we've never left low, low Earth orbit. The Earth is flat. Like there are t the flat Toberfest just occurred in in, in uh, um, the what flat Toberfest <laughs> just occurred in <laughs> South Carolina um, or North Carolina. I like that North Carolina <laughs> around there. The point is is that um, all of these ideas mm -hmm. they're ideas that we have because people are checking their reality and there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it, whether they be right or mm -hmm. wrong. There's nothing wrong with checking it out. Yeah. I, I love some of the theories of hollow earth. I've always loved, I've been fascinated mm -hmm. because I was interested in mythology and I'm interested in science. And I think that, um, that like science in a way to connect to reality. I mean, how cool or interested, interesting would it be if a big portion of our earth was hollow and there was life in there that mm. we have no idea about, whether it be simple life or complex life or other. Absolutely. Yeah. How cool would that be? It would it would completely rewrite the way that we identify mm -hmm. as life in the universe, you know, because yeah. life inside the earth would would require the cozy protection of the planet to survive. Yeah, yeah. Whereas we are here out in a gas cloud, you know, <laughs> at the edge of space. Yeah, it's a completely different concept. Right? Absolutely. I have to say, you know, all the stuff that I learned in biology and from all the creatures I know and seen and just read about this. I, very early in my life, I, I I thought like everything is possible. You know, if you see right. how a earthworm works, how they behave, if you see what a a bee can achieve, all these things that I always ask myself, like you know, there is nothing impossible here. And so I opened up myself for every possibility out there. And I had to say, the biggest kind of ch check in reality for me was when I realized that. I'm kind of like having a soul or like a... That you're more than chemistry. That I'm more than chemistry yep. and also everything around me is more than chemistry. <laughs> so yep. that was yep. something really cool. <laughs> so um, in, in chapter eight, in Defense of Malaria, what he talks about is that the the people who brought <coughs> chemicals to the the third world in order to save them from the diseases, they did this because they wanted to eradicate the disease so that the people of the third world saw the British mm. and other, um, uh, the, 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 this huge empire as godsend. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, yeah, they went down there with missionaries. They they converted most of Africa. They converted Indonesia. They converted mm -hmm. um, middle South America. Like I'm not talking about just over the last hundred years. I'm just saying that in general, this conversion of empire, uh, the conversion all throughout Northern Europe that happened a thousand years ago yeah. uh, to become a part of empire, right? Before that, we were all just little pagan tribes, right? Um, and little kingdoms. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, is that... Um, the malaria thing that happened over the last hundred years is that it was our ticket. I say our as the people, us, all of us in the Western world who now work in support of mm -hmm. empire, whether we be conscious of it or not. It was empire's ticket to come down into these third worlds and say, I have the cure for what ails you. Mm. And DDT was that. It absolutely almost completely eradicated malaria and this is a really interesting thing because the all the the in the past before penicillin um i can't remember the exact statistics in different parts of the planet but you know in western europe 
one out of every four children died before the age of five in in um in Africa. Once you get past that one out of every four children, it was, it was even worse because then you had the malaria and you had all these other diseases that happened. So the actual, the ability to live to um, a biologically, a bi biological age that can procreate, mm -hmm. um, was, it, it was, it, there were a lot of odds against them. Let's just put it that way. And so what happened was as DDT came down, opened the floodgates for empire to come into Africa and set up shop. Right, set up corn crops, get the diamonds going out of there, get the oil, get the yeah, yeah. get the minerals, all of, get the rubber, get all of this stuff that they have. Raping Mother Earth, raping all that stuff. Mother Earth, uh, Mother Earth, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the point is, is that when this happened, DDT was one of the big tickets that helped that happen, mm. and then let's just say the cult, the empire realized afterwards, holy <laughs> shit. All those people that we saved, they're not dying. Mm. They, they're, they're still going. And so it's interesting that the green, one of the green revolutions, the green revolution that was actually responsible for canceling DDT. Mm. According to Robert Zubrin and a couple other scientists, they mentioned that if DDT was only in operation for another decade, they would have completely eradicated malaria from the planet and 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 that would have never come back. Uh, whether that be true or not, the point is, is the reason why what he says, and as I mentioned, you know, when we talk about Malthusianism and Darwinism and eugenics, these are all royal people. These are all people who are knights and sirs and so on and so forth. This is a direct part of empire, right? And how far and how deep empire goes through the royal families of all the planets uh, um, um, aristocracy is is very or, or or countries it's we don't know this as common people we can't know this mm -hmm. not until we actually are granted you know a meeting with the wizard and to look behind the curtain <laughs> it, we we don't know this we can pretend to know this and we can research and, and learn as much as we can this kind of this kind of goes back to that original thing that you said earlier is what do we do with all this information when we could have just spent our time connecting to reality our own way? We don't mm -hmm. need any of this shit, which mm -hmm. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. But going back to the the what happened in history is that the Green Revolution to take away these chemicals happened just before the ability to ra eradicate these diseases happened, which means that um, it was a form of population control. Mm -hmm. And this is a big thing, too, because now when we start talking about population control, there are countries, you know, when we're talking about um, now that empire has come in and set up shop, there are small countries, third world countries all over the planet that had to, and he goes into detail as well into this book, uh, about how organizations and NGOs were set up all over the place in order to assist governments in birth control mm -hmm. that governments all over the world would not get the rice or the fertilizer or the pesticides to make them come to fruition because now they had larger populations mm -hmm. in africa you had a larger population of people and uh not a great uh, you know you, you didn't have big cities of technology for these people to thrive in yeah right um, and pre-penicillin, as I mentioned, you know, people died from uh, infection all the time. My uh, my um, great uncle, so my father's um, uncle, he died by the age of 12 because of stubbing his toe at a swimming pool. Mm. Got infected, got in the blood, went septic, dead, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and shamefully enough, only a couple years before penicillin was discovered. 
And this is one of these things now. So when I talk to some people who talk to me about anti-humanism, one of the big questions that I have for them is, do you go to the doctor? Do you take penicillin? Do you, do you participate in, um, in all of these vaccine programs that we have or in any of the medicinal programs that we have to keep you nice and healthy? And when they say yes, I say, well, then you can't talk about anti-humanism. Mm. You know, if you, if you want to be anti-human and you think the problem is overpopulation and you think that the issue is people, then maybe you should take yourself out of the equation and start living a natural life again. Mm -hmm. And when you die of a natural death, then mm -hmm. I'll remember what you said. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But the reality is, is that just like any ecosystem, human life has the ability, just like anything else in the natural order, to to uh, grow to a certain size mm -hmm. in response to its ecosystem, just mm -hmm. like uh, tilapia fish and, and, sh and little sharks and so on and so forth. <laughs> the, 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 the crazy thing, though, is that we are so interesting in the sense that we can develop technology so fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That we tend to operate faster than our ability to adapt to our environment, mm. which is, again, the basis of this show. Could it be that the more our uh, environment becomes accommodating for us, that we lose the ability to take care of ourselves? Mm. Over and over again, you see this now everywhere yeah. in everything. So I'm going to read through the chapters real quick and then go on to the next topic. Okay. Anything you want to say? No, I think there was a comment or something nope. popped up. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Um, well, little hearts and uh, likes and stuff like that, but no actual <laughs> questions. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to post them and we will get to them. Little hearts. Yeah, exactly. Um, just going to actually open this up so I can see if people are putting questions These over there. These hearts went out to the to the mouse that was just killed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Medi. Um <laughs> So, I'm going to keep going. Scriptures for the Doom Cult, the Betrayal of the Left anti-nuclear crusade. I love that chapter. It's actually probably my favorite chapter because mm -hmm. it talks about really how nuclear fission works mm -hmm. uh, and fusion and, and um, how we apply it into our technologies and how, you know, when we talk about we can't use nuclear technology because of what happened at Chernobyl to understand that the technology and the way that they did things in Chernobyl mm -hmm. was nuts. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the Western world does anything like that, mm -hmm. right? Um, so on and so forth, right? Um Population control, preparing the Holocaust. Population control, implementing the Holocaust. Better dead than fed. Green police for world hunger. And this book, just to say, this book is not new. This was written in 2011. It's over 10 years ago. This mm -hmm. book Sounds was written. like it's just, you know. <laughs> well, it's interesting <laughs> because um, there are countries now who are actually implementing the idea of real ass green police. Mm -hmm. You know, that actually monitor the businesses and check to make sure everything is green and you get fined and imprisoned and incarcerated mm. when not, mm. right? Whether this stuff is going to come to fruition when and where, I don't know. Uh, but the point is, is that the, these are old ideas. It's not new. Yeah. We're just hearing about them again now. And this is why I think it's important to talk about this today because of how much we're hearing about this and to realize these ideas and these, th this is nothing new. Business as usual, right? Um, mm. Quenching humanity's fire, global warming, and the madness of crowds, the mind imprisoned or the soul unchained. Chapter 16. That's a nice one, too. Mm -hmm. So the idea of are you going to allow your mind to be imprisoned by all of these limitations that we choose to invite into our minds? Or are you going to help your soul be unchained by realizing that it's a great possibility that a lot of this stuff is political and propaganda in nature? Mm. There we go. Anything you want to talk about? 
in no. regards to what I just said. I mean, there's a lot there. I yeah, know. Uh, once I finish my spiritual ecology book, I think I'll jump into that one. And what is your spiritual ecology book? Yeah, it's it's called spiritual ecology. Well, you have to tell everybody else. You can't just. Well, I just say I it. just started. I'm actually I don't really know from whom something with Vaughn. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's exactly about this why we have the problems on a global scale that we have nowadays, and it's because we forgot about the connection to nature. We forgot about that we are also amazing creatures just as everything else and rediscovering this connection to everything that is around us, really feeling that love and empathy <clears throat> to to everything around us. To reality. To reality and yeah, just, just living and creating a life for our own and for our family mm -hmm. that we can live in, you know, happy and peaceful and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so... <laughs> I'm going to go into a couple other things just to kind of bring it full circle today. Mm. Um, the first part of the show, we we talked a lot about maybe the um, philosophical side, right? Mm -hmm. The philosophy of absurdity and the philosophy of checking your reality. And now we're getting more into real world in the sense that um, there is a big question of who is making... Who, who, who are the people in charge of these decisions that are clearly anti-human in nature? Why, why is it becoming so, so difficult with, with all of the information that we have out there? Why is it so negative and why is it so difficult for people to connect to reality? Mm -hmm. You know, why, why, why isn't that a normal topic? You know, connecting to reality. Yeah, yeah. Why is, why is there such a disconnect in the way that, um, reality is presented to ourselves, or to us via our, mm. our medias, or even as I mentioned before, the off, the amount like how often it's now occurring where I'm on a job site and duck talk comes up <laughs> where people just start quacking the news that mm. uh, they had previously heard, you know, the day prior and so on and so forth, yeah. and 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 they get angry when you don't know because they feel like they want to teach you. And then you tell them, I'm sorry, I'm just not interested. And then they, they, they think you're an asshole and you're, you're one of the people causing the problems on the planet because you don't want to know about the problems and the solutions that they just heard mm. 20 minutes ago. Mm. <laughs> what is this also, I think I, I said that, maybe that was actually in an interview with, um, with Freeman, mm -hmm. that we as humans, from an anim, uh, animalistic point of view, we are group and group species. So yes. we are thriving in a group. We are seeking protection and... <laughs> She's a real hunter now. She's after the fly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm a behavior biologist still. So yeah. everything, you know. She's I'm looking at the cat chasing a mosquito. Observing behavior. There you go. So, and let me, where were I? <laughs> so I'm a little, little, little tired off already. That off, off. Um, <laughs> but so. Freeman. Yeah, Freeman. And the, the it was about that we as humans from a natural point of view, our behavior is being part of a group. You know, we seek comfort in it. We seek help and protection in the group. Mm -hmm. And so the worst thing for us is to get thrown out of a group. And what we do, if there is a certain opinion of the community, then, you know, we should think twice if you want to accept that opinion as ourselves mm -hmm. as well, in order to be accepted by the rest of the community. Right. Or if you say, well, I don't believe this and you get kicked out. So there is the risk of, even like a really deep fear of not surviving, although you might think it's not as it seems to be. Right. You are afraid of speaking your truth. That's that's, and I think this this fear of getting kicked out of the community is also used as a method to you know just like keep Huge. us in the loop. 
Yeah, huge. You know, you go, you look into uh, Amish and Mennonite, and even uh, traditional Jewish culture, um, the way that they would ostracize people and ex- and and kick them out of the group and shame them. Yeah, um, for, yeah. Shame f- is a big thing. Shame here. is a huge thing. Specifically, mm-hmm. you know, the, the shaming in the uh, in the Mennonite communities are are brutal. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I personally know a few people who had to, who had dealt with that, mm-hmm. and um, also just in family in in, in general. You know, it's like a big thing the manipulation in a narcissistic environment that they try to shame you if you not do what yeah. they want well they call it the shunning uh, yeah. is that when you when one of the leading people in the group um, is disappointed with you they, yeah. they 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 make it so that the rest of the group looks at you in a in a bad way yeah, yeah and yeah. they're not allowed to interact with you on the same level yeah. either and i i've even seen this in modern day society to a degree where some people they commit light crimes mm mm-hmm. And they're blacklisted, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even from for me, I remember back in the day, um, my insurance company, mm-hmm. they did something illegal. They, I, I, tran- I, I got a new car and the difference between the car that I had and the new car in insurance was not the same. So my insurance went up for the new vehicle. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I was pretty angry about that because when I asked them for the quote of how much it would cost, mm-hmm. They couldn't give me a direct, a real answer, and the, uh, and and the answer they gave me wasn't actually what I ended up being billed with. Mm-hmm. And I got over that, you know. It's one of those things. But um, what ended up happening is they had made an error in 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 their internal system, and decided to randomly throughout the year, uh, on no billing date, without recognition of, of, of without sending a letter, no phone call, nothing, mm-hmm. just dip into my bank account and correct their financial glitch that that somebody had done in accounting hmm. um, and, and just take money from my account. Mm. And when I called them, I said, dude, like my bank account isn't your pocket to grab into whenever you feel like it. Yeah, you really? can't do this. Yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't a little bit, it was a lot. And he says, yeah, well, it was just a, it was just an error on our side and we decided to fix it, uh, but everything's good now. And, we, mm. and we'll just continue with the plan that we have. And I said, no, I'm done with you guys. Mm. You know, I, I don't deal with that. And he says, well, you can't quit. Uh, without paying uh, a, a, a fee. Yeah. You know, you have to pay like 300 or 400 euros to get out of the contract. This reminds me of something that happened to me today. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So Madeline got uh, screwed over by Adobe. Oh. Any of you guys out there had that? It sucks. Adobe is a horrible company. This is why I don't support them anymore. Yeah. yeah. They have some good products, but the way that they do business and they collect money is, is despicable. I didn't know. I just had one picture that I needed for my, my work in my, my book writing stuff. So I kind of had like the test month, which of course I forgot about to cancel, but I was not aware of the fact that now that I had from there on had to pay 35 euros per month and have a cancellation fee of 180 euros because it's a yearly contract. So I'm paying now like, yeah, over 200 euros for something that I'm not using and only for one picture. So I'm really angry about that. I know it was, you know, kind of my own fault. I should have canceled it earlier, but this is clearly made to be like that, to entrap people into that whole um, payment system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and this is, uh, this is that, 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 that idea, you know, everything is fine print, yeah, and 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 it's very difficult to actually um, be aware of all of it going on. You know, yeah. I, I've I've noticed that recently here in Germany, it's become so brutal that everything you do requires now a signature and a contract, and there's so much fine print. And just mm-hmm. like you mentioned, you know, we we also recently had another issue where we wanted to put the house on the market, yeah. and um, we did that, and the company did the exact same bullshit where they said uh, one month free trial. 
you do it and it's like click here click there it's all good there's no contract there's no yeah. letter of uh, mail nothing and then i realize a month later that a hundred and something odd euros is missing from my bank and i find out it's from that company when i called them they said oh yeah uh, if you don't let us know within a, a specific amount of time then the contract auto renews itself and um, it was crazy because I remember when I did that free month trial, I, I was pretty aware mm. of reading everywhere as what, you know, mm -hmm. is this going to be a contract? Mm -hmm. Is this going to be auto generating uh, all this stuff? And the funny thing is they never once asked me for any billing information. So I figured, OK, so they don't want money for this free month. It's really just a free month. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, they just sent me a bill to my email without ever having asked for any yeah. billing information. Yeah, uh, The same thing with Adobe. Right, and the same thing with my insurance company, where yeah, well, where guess... they wanted a cancellation fee, and when I said no, I'm I'm not paying that, and we're done. Um, so what happened was, is on my I was young at the time, I didn't know much better. I just I, I told I took my money out and said, you don't have access to my money anymore. Mm. I wrote this in a letter and I said I want out of canceling. You guys don't have any more access because you guys have already taken money without mm. my mm. authority uh, authorization, and they didn't care. They yeah, had better yeah. lawyers than me. And so um, what they did was is because I didn't pay the cancellation fee and I didn't pay the rest of the year's contract uh, to them, contract uh, for the insurance on my car, just liability insurance anyway, mm. um, they blacklisted me. Mm. That meant every single insurance provider in that region would no longer give me insurance at a reasonable rate. We're talking like in close to $500 a month oh, yeah, for liability yeah. insurance, which for those of you guys in North America, I know that insurance can be very expensive over there. Um, here in Europe, we pay $500 a year for our car. It's yeah. it's crazy what's being taken out of people over there. You know, um, a lot of Canadians might feel fine and dandy that their health insurance is paid for, but you guys pay 10 times more for auto insurance. It's, it's fucked, right? Hmm. So, um, you know, the empire is going to get it one way or another. <laughs> That's the way I see it. And so that being said, I wanted to bring up a couple interesting little things I came across um, today that actually coincide with um, exactly what Robert Zubrin was talking about. But unfortunately, I can't get that other. Do you have anything to say? Because I want to find a, an article. Um, well, <laughs> can I put I you on the spot and you and you talk about something nice for two minutes and and, and it'll come right back to me? Yeah, maybe about the reality check. Please something that. that happened to me, where obviously the reality was not checked really well. <laughs> when I was doing my research on the rabbits, I had a publication that was about the burrow systems. So, uh, those of you guys who've seen the third or fourth episode of Smart Home Stupid People know more about my research. I was working on rabbits. And I was comparing their behavior in the city to those are on a rural side. And we also looked at the way they dig the borer systems. And we found that the rabbits in the city actually had smaller borer systems with fewer entrance holes than those living in a rural countryside. And they had huge kind of mansions, right? So we had a studio apartments in the city and the large <laughs> mansions on the rural area. And likewise, also the number of rabbits living in the in this borer system, the, the, the group size was smaller in the city than in the rural side. And sometimes, in, in some cases, we even found only one rabbit in one borrow system. And so that was one sentence in my publication that I said, you know, sometimes we found only one rabbit in one borrow system in the city. And we'd made a press release because I found the results of the borrow systems pretty cool. It got huge. A lot of magazines and radios and TV um, channels picked up on it. And all of a sudden, there was that title in the magazine that 
rabbits in cities live as singles. And I was like, where the heck <laughs> they come up with this one? I've never, I've never said that. And it's not true. It's not true that the most of them living in, in singles, the groups are generally smaller, but there was only a few living in, in, as a, as a single individual. And also they, they visited other burrow systems with other rabbits. So they were not like isolated or something. It sounded really weird. And so I figured out, okay, they must have just picked that one sentence out of my research without any context and put it out there spreading an information which was not true. And that's how I saw how the media works. They really find something that is, you know, catchy and unexpected and dramatic, whatever. And this little information might have just been picked out of a context completely different. And if you would put it back into the context, you would have seen maybe the original news, the original data is showing the opposite or it's, it's just just not, it's just not true. So that was a moment for me where I realized, um, I, at that point I was still listening to the news where I realized, wait a minute, I think <laughs> something is going on here. It's not really how it should be. And I, I actually thought maybe it was a mistake. So I tried to call them. I mean, the, the, the journal and the title was already out there, but I said, you know, maybe we can recorrect it. And since it was already yesterday's news, they were not interested in correcting anything. But for me, it was also something that impacted my career on that level because, first of all, my research was pushed into the Boulevard Press. You know, I was on the Bild uh, Journal magazine, which is kind of like, I don't know what's the comparison to it in, in America. Big. But, hmm? big. Big? The big magazine? Yeah. Was it a big magazine? Oh no! I mean, it's called Bild, so I yeah, don't know. Yeah, but was it a big magazine? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of from from the character, just as you know, like I don't know. I I don't know what kind of like a people's magazine, something. <laughs> okay, okay, so it wasn't something that was supposed to be taken too seriously. No, but you know, they just take you know titles like crazy. But if you as a scientist end up in that magazine, you know, you are pretty much <laughs> done. Really? Not, not done, but I mean, you know, who's who's taking you serious then anyway? So I was, I became from overnight, overnight became like that cute little rabbit scientist yeah, well, the BBC doing... then called you after that too that was actually yeah that was kind of before the, they were the first ones mm. picking up on that story and then the Germans came later and they started creating that whole idea with the rabbits and so cute and the singles and yeah. you know and then I ended up like just a cute rabbit scientist who you know does cute things like, what, were with you cute the cute animals. scientist that studies rabbits or are you the cute rabbit scientist both of it <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, the thing that I wanted to talk about, which is now a, a great story, I want to say very lovely. I love the transition. Um, <laughs> the the part that I want to now talk about is obviously when we talk about this idea of conspiracy, mm -hmm. this idea of is there an elite ruling the world, mm -hmm. right? Is there such thing as empire mm -hmm. in the sense like does empire exist in the way that there are only a couple inner party people behind it, push, pushing it in the direction mm -hmm. that a collective internally, like a small collective of people who want to rule the world, know? Mm -hmm. Or is empire or the cult, the global cult that people like to call it, really more just like a, a, a big ship without a captain, mm -hmm. right? Where everybody does their part and the ship will eventually go in the direction that the most people want it to go in. Mm -hmm. Which way is it? I'm more of the impression that it's the first and not yeah, the latter. I would say I so think too. that it's a bit of both, though, because now mm. when you have enough support of the masses who believe in something mm. that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. when you don't check your reality and ask yourself, 
are these my ideas? Are these yeah. my beliefs? Yeah, I think as you said, you it's know? a bit of both. Maybe you know this this kind of these uh, collectives, <laughs> they start coming up with an idea and putting it into the head of other people. And I think it's their own well, and that's why they follow it. And then that becomes the masses. This is now the question of, okay, so let's say the empire is led by only a small group of people who do have the ability to transform and change the world at will. A small mm -hmm. collective people, mm -hmm. cult of people, of anti-humanists. Um, what is this? Now, in their group, how does that work? Do they have like a, a scripture that tells them how they're going to dominate and rule the world that was written a million years ago uh, mm -hmm. by aliens? Like, I mean, some people have all these great ideas as to what it could be. <laughs> or is it something very different in the sense that maybe the internal group of the internal party is just as um, fluctuating as the rest of the population, that, that maybe they were coerced by an even smaller or another group that no longer exists mm. into anti-humanism. Maybe maybe this is what happens when you get that much power. That the only thing you want to do is destroy everything else that could be a threat to your power. Yeah, maybe. And therefore that everything else is everything else. Yeah. Right? Once you get to that level of power. And this is what I want to talk about right now. This is uh um noinsiders.com. This is, uh, I guess, an online magazine that I had recently found, and it is the list of American billionaires. Mm -hmm. Now, it says in here that there are about uh, 730 billionaires in the U.S., mm -hmm. right? Um, now... This is this is really crazy. Like, if a lot of you even know what it means, like to even count to a million, count to a billion. Like these people have so much money they can't count it. <laughs> like to, to really put that into grasp, mm. right? And understand what that means, right? And so now when we're talking about billionaires, right? How what 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 percent of the population are the billionaires? Obviously, they're very small. When we're talking, mm. there are only like less than eight hundred of them in, in a country of three. What I think the U.S. has uh, three hundred and forty million, something like that, right? Um, it, and and so seven hundred people. And the and the and the statement goes as follows: Their combined wealth grew by forty four point six percent during the pandemic. Mm. It grew more than 1. trillion USD within the last two and a half years. Mm. That's the we're talking the collection of billionaires who were in already billionaires by by 2019 between 2020 and today it grew by 44.6%. Mm. And this is kind of that idea that I was putting forth before is that yes, we as people have the ability to access amazing things in our minds when we choose to. And our technologies can do amazing things, but they are tools and they can be used as horrible weapons. Yeah, yeah. In this case, the billionaires today are doubling down into technologies of artificial intelligence and data mining to be able to do things like this. It's, mm. it's, it's not a coincidence that they decided to not call it a vac uh, uh, to, to not call it um, genetic therapy and to call it a vaccine. This was a think tank that decided that. So it's mm -hmm. important to understand what's your feeling on something not based on the words that are presented mm. but by the, the 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 realities behind it right whether whether we talk about that stupid thing or or another stupid thing right it it's 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 important to understand you know where 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 is your level of absurdity yeah, on yeah. that right and so it says here that 
America's billionaires got 44% richer during the pandemic, while more than 80 million people in the U.S. lost their jobs from March 2020 to February 2021. Right? Between June and November 2020, nearly 8 million people, uh, Americans, mm. fell into poverty. And and this is this is that idea of you know going back to what he's talking about with limits to growth with Malthusian with Darwinism with eugenics it was very interesting because this is a this is a book that's very anti eugenics and as soon as I read it the first thing I did is I went out and got me a book that was pro eugenics hmm. I wanted to hear both sides of the argument mm -hmm. now I couldn't find a book that was pro eugenics <laughs> since the like since the sixties so I went out and I got one that was written in nineteen seventeen before World War One. It was one of the most fascinating things I had ever read, I must say, because now a hundred years later, I can read that book and this book was just constantly talking about what could the future be like? And now I'm in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm in the distant future that that book was talking about. Mm. And, I, and I, I, I tell you guys out there, if you ever have that ability to read a book that's talking about a hot topic like eugenics that was written over a hundred years ago, trying to predict the future, some of it is so fascinating because it turns out from my impression of this other book, I can't even remember the name of it. It's like it's so bad. Like I, I what happened was is uh, I remember when I, um, I got a I got a new computer and um, we're talking like 2010 something like that, and I thought to myself, you know what, I want to find myself some good books that I could print out, like mm -hmm. books that I can't find in the libraries anymore. Because mm -hmm. you go to the libraries and yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I found so many great books. I saved a lot of them on, on onto, onto some sticks, onto some hard drives, and um, and and I printed them out, and I, I loved it. And this one was was one of them. It was a book that was uh, re-digitalized. There was a there was a, a movement to taking old books and putting them into digital form mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. a couple companies. And I found mm -hmm. this one, and, it, and I just thought to myself, this is great. And the pro eugenics book from the nineteen about fifteen or seventeen um, was very interesting because it to me mirrored today's um, naturopath movement, mm -hmm. homeopath movement, mm -hmm. um, this whole new age holistic medicine movement. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. Like my mother is a holistic uh, um, naturopath, right? And and so it was really fascinating for me to see that the 1950s, and we're talking, this, this book was written by a commoner. This book wasn't written by somebody who was knighted or had any affiliation with the Royal Society, right? And so therefore, th from that point of view of this person's book, the idea of genetic health actually had a lot more to do with environmental decisions than racial problems. The what it was talk what that guy was talking about in his book was that um, in order to have genetic health, you have to have mental health. Yeah. Meaning, he said, if a mother is going to have three healthy children, then that mother should be kept happy. And mm -hmm. she shouldn't be put into conditions where she cannot provide for them. Absolutely. And yeah. that's what the book really was focusing on. It was talking about the dramas that the mother will have mm. of 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 uh, uh, of being angry, of being um, um, worried hurt, and worried and fearful. Fear. Mm -hmm. That the idea that the dramas that are created, uh, such such as narcissism. Mm -hmm. If that has the ability to fruitfully flower in a person, such as a mother who has three children, yeah. that book predicted that it'll take at least three generations to remove it mm. from the offspring to yeah. a level that 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 the third generation or the fourth generation could actually acknowledge it and wipe it out. Yeah. But three to five generation 
if somebody is heavily narcissistic and has to wipe it out of themselves. And and it's and it's really like if you guys think about this, if you think about horrible traits of your grandfather that you kind of realize, you know what, I kind of have that too sometimes. Mm-hmm. The temper tra- tantrums, yeah. the anger, this and that. Um, screaming parties, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and if you really think about, again, is it your decision mm. or is it an inherited decision? Is this something that was environmentally given to you mm. via your parents, that they got from their parents, that they got from their parents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Yeah, and you can stop it by first acknowledging that it's like that. You accept the reality and then you can look for the cause why it is that. So you can, you know, like... I'm a big fan of shamanic journeying and <laughs> looking for the cause, but you can any any other method to realize where does that come from, you know, dig a little deeper. What yep. has happened to your grandpa and what could kind of drama could that be? And I also I grew up in a in close to Berlin or Potsdam, that area, with my grandma and my mother. So we had also like three generation household yeah and both my grandma and my mom are and still were and still are um, narcissists like big time but i didn't know back then because i grew up like that and i thought it's just a normal behavior <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. just wondering a little about it but i i took the opportunity to really look where does it come from and why why are my my mom and my grandma acted like that and i know my grandma she was part of like during that whole world war ii she had to flee from her village where she lived and so she experienced a lot of traumatic experiences and was not able to really be a mother a loving mother because she had so much own issues right and that's why my Mm -hmm. mother ended up like her she ended up always looking for the love from my grandma which was not able she was not able to give it to her because she was so damaged in her her own situation and looking all these entanglements and going through all these dramas, releasing them as just as I said, gives you the opportunity when you have kids on your own, that you're not passing on these dramas. You, you can stop them by looking at it and by solving them and setting them free and set, reset that energy mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. 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 I believe it. I, I, that was a big thing that I felt is that, uh, you know, I've, uh, immigrated back to Germany. My father was originally born German, but uh, he emigrated to Canada and then I came back and I reconnected with my family um, and my father never mm-hmm. really knew them. You know, mm-hmm. he was he was given up for adoption very young and was raised in an orphanage. Um, and um, when I came back and met the family that he never knew and extended family that he never knew, mm. I couldn't believe the similarities. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah. though they didn't actually have a direct... Um, contact with no, one but another you're passing it on exactly yeah. so there is something to be said about Absolutely. the turmoil that can get passed on yeah. um whether it be through genetic memory or other uh, it's it's unbelievable i couldn't i couldn't it was yeah. it was just so uncanny i mean if you just realize how the whole genetic stuff works and how amazing yep. complex that is i mean the, the next step to imagine that all of your cells remember what happened to your ancestors i think it's not that crazy to think about you know it's just that there is a genetic memory but also kind of like a somatic memory that your cells mm-hmm. are having that information and also your not only the physical body, but you have an emotional body where all the emotions of you and your family and are are kind of yeah um, saved. So yeah, yeah. I think there's is there a comment or just like more hearts uh, let me take and a stuff. Look. <laughs> Something happened there. 
Huh. Let me take a look. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Read a, uh, say a couple more words. Don't read what that says. Say a couple more words. So, yes, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important that also the reason why why we become or people become miserable and have a lot of anxiety, maybe have mental issues, depression, that over the years, the older we become, the more these dramas come to the forefront. And we also have mm -hmm. experienced our own dramas, you know, they are adding on to a point where you can't take it anymore and your your mental state just wants to shut down or you become aggressive. Just as Eris said, if if you push away all these 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 parts of your personality, the things that you don't like when when you become aggressive, when you are um, becoming angry, mm -hmm. if you put them away, they are just growing bigger and bigger, and they will come out eventually, so that you look right. at them, and yet you yet you have to accept them because they're there, and there's nothing to be shameful of or anything like that. It's just acknowledging it, and then from there you can see. I had a interesting talk to someone. She is she's a little younger than I am beginning of 30 mm -hmm. and a mother of two kids and she said she was also raised very violently in a family that was mm -hmm. there was a lot of violence there was you know a lot of like yeah just physical abuse, violence yeah. abuse and she said although she never wanted it she started to behaving like that towards her own kids as well and it was like she said she it was it was she couldn't control it anymore and she decided to give the kids while well, she was separated from the, her husband so she gave the custody most of the custody to her husband only to she, limit herself yeah, yeah to, to say i have to save my children from myself and i have oh. to first figure out what's going on with me and what's wrong with me before i spend more time with my two boys she had yeah. two two boys yeah, yeah. And she also starts talking about this. Um, she has an Instagram channel and she, she talks about this openly because she, sa she says, it's not only me who has these issues. You know, there no. are so many women out there and we have they have to look at this. It's, it's not helping to suppress it because eventually it will come out, maybe not physically, but then they start manipulating them on a different level, which is also, you know, not, not better. But these dramas, we have to look at, and there there must be a place for 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 heal them in the community mm -hmm. without judging. Yeah. Um, so I want to acknowledge. Uh, so Chris Wilson, hi, nice to see you in the Podbean yeah. live chat. Hello. <laughs> um, and I actually uh, I copied your uh, message that you just wrote into a, a, a notes field because unfortunately, when I close the Podbean live. I, I I lose the information inside of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I copied it this time so I can actually look into it later. And uh, so Chris wrote, uh, Maddie and Eris need to research two uh, um, two topics. One, BIS. Uh, it's Bureau of International Settlement. Um, Basel, Switzerland, established in 1930. Mm -hmm. They create money out of thin air, right? And number two, 1974, Ralph Nada filled, uh, filed a federal civil lawsuit versus the U.S. insurance CABA. Their conglomerates were so uh, was so powerful they won and passed the bill that they could never be investigated or sued again. Now this is this is one of these things where it's like, you know, on one side, I I love that we have technologies that like the technology like we're using today, mm -hmm. like stuff like that. Yes, it is absolutely crucial that the average person knows what kind of stuff is going on behind closed doors. Mm. And what I mean even closed doors, a lot of these things aren't even really closed doors, but us commoners, 
We don't, yeah. we don't, we, we're not aware of this stuff. You know, we spend uh, forcefully 10 years in school. Many of us, like you, have spent two decades in the scholastic system. Um, this kind of stuff is not a part of the curriculum. No, 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 no. And yet it's <laughs> what really influ influences our lives. Because now we have, uh, like even was talking about Basel, you know, in Brussels, we have... Um, oligarchs and aristocrats in tiny countries that people don't even know anything about. Um, countries like, uh, um, um, what is it, uh, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, Switzerland, mm -hmm. um, the Malta. Mm -hmm. These are countries that are kind of like removed from everything mm -hmm. and, and have incredible amount, well, maybe not Luxembourg, I don't know, but uh, but uh, not Liechtenstein, I mean, but uh, um, Luxembourg, Malta, and um, Switzerland, the, and, and Basel, uh, um, Brussels, right? Brussels. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, Brussels and Belgium. Um, mm -hmm. That that these countries are, are having unbelievable effects on the way that corporatocracy now mm -hmm. is unrolled in the European Union, in the Western world, and globally. Because now it's no longer uh, just a European or an American thing. They, these are, are global things, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. We talked about this a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the food chain, mm -hmm. that um, six of the major players became four only in the last couple of years, yeah. right? Dow merging with uh, DuPont and Monsanto now being bought out by Baya. Uh, like, it's 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 scary to see now how much power is being funneled into smaller and smaller groups and furthermore mm -hmm. how much wealth is being funneled from the greater population into um the the I don't want to say necessarily directly into the hands of the aristocracy or or the 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 the, the people who are behind um the machine you know that we that we call empire or the cult it's it's uh It's as if the companies themselves are being addressed as a living entity by the people yeah. and, and, and that the power that they have now to rule our lives can no longer be undone. And that's, I think, the scariest thing about what Chris had just mentioned is that there are laws um, that are now in place to prevent the, 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 the continual investigation or the disempowerment of a lot of these empires mm -hmm. that have been built Mm -hmm. And and these empires were built originally with the intention to serve the greater good, to serve the public, mm -hmm. to serve a, a need or an interest. Yeah. And and now it's like we live in this conglomeracy, this world where everything is just um, globulated together, and people can't seem to navigate. You know what's up or what's down or or yeah, yeah. you know, and and I think this is a big thing because. With all of the information that goes out there, it's great that we have the internet, that we can have conversations like we're having today, <laughs> that people from halfway across the world can send us messages mm -hmm. and, uh, and and join in on a conversation. And yeah, then yeah. hopefully we can perhaps maybe even inspire some of you guys to look into reality in the way that we've chosen to look into reality that helps us connect to a better world, right? But at the same time, this same technology is unraveling our very humanity on, on, on a large level as well. Mm. Right. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, 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 it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, but at the same time, it's very disturbing. And I think that this is the time more and more with the technologies that we have, which is why we did this show. Madeline and I realized her as a biologist and me as a technician building, um, you know, a, a building automation technician, building what is labeled as smart homes and so on and so forth. We're starting to see more and more how our industries are not, Different, you know. Mm. Most bio biologists have computer jobs and crunch numbers, and are, and their world is entirely digital. 
yeah. has nothing to do with reality or stuttering, studying nature, mm. right? And and my industry is more and more becoming a, a consumer-based industry that is in that is influenced by politics yeah. and the flow of money that is determined by this this greenwashing agenda to the point where it's like, I got into this originally because I was having fun building um cool systems yeah right uh, the, and 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 it became so perverted over the last decade where it's it's not about that anymore most of the people most of the customers that i have they don't even know what they're buying they don't know why they're buying it they don't even <laughs> care right just because they can oh i had a customer recently where i went and did a service call and i said uh, okay so when since when has this been happening he looks at me he's like i don't know i've never used it <laughs> We're talking. That's what I'm just saying. You know, we we use resources for shit we don't use. Yeah. Status, right? Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. Who knows why people do what they do? You know, maybe just because they can. That's a big Mm. thing too. Mm. But um, it's 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 unreal sometimes to to really get like I've had quite a few um, peaks behind the veil in the sense that um, here in Germany, you know, like we we service also some of like the top ten richest people in Germany, Mm -hmm. as well as you know, I've done a lot of I I personally really. In, enjoyed more working for regular people. You know, I did a lot of two bedroom apartments originally, mm-hmm. and uh, people were so thankful, right? Yeah, yeah. And and, and it, because I made like traditionally, when I'm talking about building automation, I'm talking about um, bus wired systems for lighting communication, mm-hmm. which in my mind is excellent for limit for reducing the amount of dirty electromagnetic frequencies you have in your house because you no longer have over here 230 volts running through all the walls that are mm-hmm. active all the time mm-hmm. i think that on that side it's a very it's a very great system mm-hmm. but transformed and it has been tied into is it in the same way that when the when the empire came up and started taking over europe you know it was either assimilate or die and i'm seeing that now i'm seeing these great systems you know like the bus system that was originally a great little low tech system that was there to remove emf to to increase um really potentially increase a better quality of life for ourselves and now it's being assimilated. It's being assimilated into stupidest systems, right? It, 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 like, like I've heard of horrible stories. People in California now having their um, their air conditioning and their electricity turned off uh, during peak hours, and so on and so forth, or or during a heat wave, they can't use the AC. And it, it's just you see these weird things happening full circle, and you're thinking, how? How, 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 how? So I want this, I want to dive into my last topic. And Chris, you have just posted so much stuff. I don't know if I could read <laughs> that. Uh, thank you, brother. I'm going to look into everything you said. I'm just going to not close the window. I don't know if I can read it all right now on the air. But, uh, you know, maybe if Maddie goes on a nice little uh, talk, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take a look at what you just wrote. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, but, if, but Chris, if you have any... Um, more like small questions that I could read off the screen. I'd love to address them, but I'm going to definitely look into what you said there as well. Um, The last thing I want to get into Mm. is the concept of population, right? Now, population is a really, it's it's, it's this new dire topic that we're talking about because as I mentioned before, assimilate or die, right? And this seems to be the way that things are are being presented to us now. It's, It's in this idea of you join 
the, the the system or you're a part of the problem, right? It's it's a very dictatorial uh, concept. It's a very violent idea, and I'm just seeing it more and more, and I'm feeling it more and more. You know that that there's a there's a sense of unwelcoming mm. when 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 I, I start talking about things that I find to be more reality and less duck talk, <laughs> less <laughs> quack talk, less just repeating and regurgitating. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I came across a, a guy a while ago, and he said to me, like, we just, I just met the guy. I, I knew nothing about him. And, and within two minutes, he's telling me, ah, oh, the world is shit. Okay, well, what, what, why is the world shit, little man? What, what's, what's going on? <laughs> and he says, the world is shit because um, too many people. Mm-hmm. Everything's too many people, not enough room, and, and everything's going to shit because there are too many people just doing too many stupid things. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him like, what, too many people here? And he's like, yeah, too many people here. And I said, so you have an issue with the population growth where you live. And he's like, yeah, it's terrible. And lo and behold, I, I informed him that where we live, we've had a massive population decrease. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't feel this because our daily grind is surrounded by people on the go. Right, mm-hmm. and so you go to work. Traffic here has increased. Uh, I'm going to bring up a little, a little slide to kind of like help with what what it is that uh, my mental mind is trying to give to you guys right now. And um, here we go. This is the graph that I had actually in the beginning uh, on 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 our um, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it uh, JPEG the, uh, the the preview for what we're going to be talking about today um, on our thumbnail. This is a graph of the population of Berlin, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right? I lived in Berlin many years. Madeline had been to Berlin many, many times. Um, we've been tethered to Berlin now that we live in Brandenburg because it's the closest big city, right? Um, actually, like, we live closer to Potsdam, but Potsdam is actually more and more becoming just a part of Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's going all together. Exactly. Now, what you guys can see now is 2020 being at the very end, we're at three and a half million people. But the crazy thing is, is now you go back to 2000 to 1913, 1910 around that era and it had 4 million people. Mm. You you go to 1930s and you had almost 4.5 million people living in Berlin. How in the hell would a normal per- like it's 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 un- almost unfathomable to think that the population was a million people more than it is today 100 years ago. Mm. Right, like it's it's crazy, and 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 when you look on when you go online and you talk about population growth in Berlin, they're only going to show you the last fifty years, hmm. right? They're going to say that, and and then also before uh, you know be no um, forewarned that in the middle of this graph, you guys can see these black lines. It's because Berlin was split in half mm-hmm. during um, you know East and West Berlin during the uh, the, mm-hmm. the Soviet uh, Empire, right? Yeah, yeah. And so these lines are now calculating East Berlin with West Berlin together, and the blue lines are just the population of West Berlin. Now um, that being said, that we live in Brandenburg, and it turns out that every single Soviet Union, formerly Soviet zone, is being depopulated. And 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 greatly depopulated. If you talk about um, Mecklenburg-Vorpommern, you talk about um, Brandenburg, where we are. You talk about Saxony. Um, you talk about Thuringen. Thuringen was also east, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Thuringen was one of the worst. I think they have a they they have eighteen percent less people than they did in the eighties. Um, Saxony is something like less. I think it's minus thirteen. Brandenburg, where we are, is uh, minus. 
Oh, it depends on. I think it's. I think it could be uh, from the '80s, maybe minus eight percent. I'd have to look at that again. Uh, maybe actually three. I don't think it's that much, but. Um, you look at uh, the province above us, and it's uh, also like minus nine percent or something like that. And the, it's it's a really weird thing because you know when you go to somebody today who's talking about oh the, everything is crazy, you know it's shit and all that, the, the city's becoming overpopulated. Well, it's really interesting is the city's not becoming overpopulated, not at least from the statistics that mm -hmm. I've seen for the entire northeast section of Germany, mm -hmm. but every city feels like yeah, it's, it's becoming true. overpopulated. It's true, yeah. So what the hell is going on? Yeah, right. What's the, what 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 is this? And there is something that is going on that's very interesting. Um, you go back a hundred years ago, and you had little, you you had houses with nice properties around them mm. that supported three generations. Madeline, how many people lived in your household in Brandenburg when you were younger? Well, as I said, like three generations. three generations. So how like many people? My, my my grandma, my grandpa, my parents, and me. So like five. and two kids. No, I was only. Well, with, oh, sorry, uh, but um, your 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 mom has a has a, has a sibling. But yeah, he was not living with us. When no, I by, by the time you were born, your uncle had already moved out, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, three generations in one house. She's the single child. Yeah. <laughs> Her mother was one of two. Mm -hmm. um, your grandparents, how many siblings did they have? That's a good question. Like my mother's mother, I think she had like five sisters or four sisters so there were only sisters <laughs> in her and i actually really don't know that much about my family to be honest my grandparents are all dead already and i think my grandpa he had a couple couples brothers and sisters yeah i, mm -hmm. I can't tell you actually i really don't know my my uncle he did some research on our um what is that pedigree Oh, <laughs> yeah, just just your your lineage. Yeah, yeah. Pedigree is more like for uh, dogs. <laughs> well, or the royal family. Ah, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, our lineage. So he he actually also went to the place where my grandpa was originally from. He was from Slovenia, and so they found the area where his family was still living. And it was amazing to see after my my grandpa was almost eighty at that point when they came back from their traveled to that place and they brought all the pictures and they met his family and even some of his brothers and sisters were still alive so that was very mm -hmm. very moving for him for him wow yeah um so what i do want to talk about now is is again you know go let's go back to that 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 graph here the reason why i asked you all that is because Okay, well, let's look at Berlin City now. Mm -hmm. What has changed? The population hasn't changed much, mm -hmm. right? It, actually, we've lost a million people when we talk about 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. How many more buildings and houses and apartments do we have? In contrast, and this is interesting because now, instead of having three generations inside of one house, which could be 10 people, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, in Madeline's case, it was, it was only five people. It wasn't that bad, right? No, no, no. Um, you know, for me, I lived in a house of five because I had two siblings and mm -hmm. I lived with both parents, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, 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 and I'm sure there are many of you out there who, who are over 40 that have that same memory, mm -hmm. right? Of Like um, my, my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> yeah. he was also living with his parents and with his grandparents. And so it was like, and he had another two siblings. So they were like right. two, two, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, in yeah. one house. Mm -hmm. Yep. And today, what seems to be the more normal family mm -hmm. is the mother has a house or an apartment. The yeah. father has a house or an apartment. And they have one kid and the king flip-flops between the two of them. That is something I see more mm -hmm. than the multi-generational household. Mm -hmm. Meaning that now everybody needs an apartment. 
Everybody yeah. needs a house. Yeah, yeah. And I'm seeing more and more that agriculture is dominating and taking over all of the areas where you used to have houses that had three generations mm -hmm. and a nice little field behind it mm -hmm. where all the people who lived in the house went to the chickens and the cows. So mm -hmm. Madeline, explain when you were younger, what was the what was the farm life like on your <laughs> on your property, which well, the yeah. property is a couple square kilometers. So yeah. uh, the pl plus you had a piece of forestry out, out uh, yeah. nearby that you can always collect wood from. Yeah. Well, I loved it, you know, to grow up uh, amongst other animals. What and kind of animals did you have at home? We had uh, we had chickens, we had cats. There was a dog, but he died when I was little, so I can't remember anymore. Mm -hmm. We had piggies and yeah. I think even one or two cows. I don't remember too much Well, anymore. your mother, your grandmother um, worked on the dairy. She, yeah, she, yeah, but she, she milked saw cows not for our living. own cows. Yeah. So yeah, she was working from the former um, GDR. They had so-called an LPG, which was like kind of the agriculture production company. Companies, or kind part of part of the government. Yeah, yeah. So she was responsible for milking the cows. <laughs> right. And my grandpa, I remember that he he lent sometimes huge horses to help plowing our land. And yep. he always set me on, you know, up on the horse. <laughs> and there are a couple of pictures of me, little Madeline, right? on these huge, huge horses. And, and it's funny because yeah. that story that you're saying for a lot of people your age who yeah. lived in, not in a major city, yeah. had a very similar story to say. Yeah, yeah. All right? my, my friends on the, on the countryside, they were all, all having, you know, gardens and did some farming and that. And I always loved it to go out outside the house and we had a huge garden my grandma she took care of all of this and that's also kept her busy you know i, f I felt like it was important for her right. mental sanity <laughs> to not go crazy um, over all these things that happened to her but really just taking care of of my my parents and me and my her husband while providing good food in our garden and growing all the vegetables and we had a lot of berries and fruit trees and you know the property so still a little bit is still going on, but not so much anymore than it used to when my grandparents were still alive. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I learned a lot through that as well. You know, it's like we have a little bit here of farming, <laughs> but not too much. Yeah, right on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm just, uh, I was just, while you were talking, so I've listened to everything you said. Okay. Just so you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm giving through. up all in what I have right now because I don't know how much longer... <laughs> My ideas will come. Like I feel, I was out this morning pretty early in the forest with my bike, but I know I feel like I'm, I'm dozing a little off here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. No, I was just uh, so I was going through some of the comments from Chris. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, he's left the chat so far, but uh, maybe he'll find out someday that uh, his website is newlifeaboard.com, and I, I presume he has a website here where he's talking about opportunities awaiting and um, how to avoid um, future collapses and being affected by the way that the economy and so on and so forth mm. is heading. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I, I, I say that is because it actually is very relevant to what we're talking about now too, in the sense that um, what has happened? Mm -hmm. is, has the quality of life gone down or has it gone up? Mm -hmm. Because Robert Zubrin mentioned that as the population increased, quality of life went up globally. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Malthusianism went in the exact opposite direction. Malthus said the larger the population gets, the 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 more the quality of life will drop. Mm. Whereas Robert Zubrin mentioned, no, you look at it and, and, and you look into our history and you see the exact opposite, mm. right? You see one in a million people doing something that uh, is able to make the lives for billions of people better. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that being said, is okay. So we have this idea that the population is um, is 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 going crazy, but where we are, what's really happened is the way that we live has changed. Mm-hmm. Instead of living in a, a multiple generations in one home, everybody's crammed into a little city. Right, and yeah. like I mentioned, it's it's interesting because in Brandenburg here, where we live, the population has gone down. Berlin, over the last hundred years, the population has gone down, but mm-hmm. over the last couple decades, it's gone up, and that's what's always focused on, right? And and th- this 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 also brings me to my next point is that check your reality. Yep. Don't just take something at face value. Go and take a look. Right. The next one I'm to talk about. So we talked about a population. As I mentioned, I think that it has a lot to do with there are more people commuting now because you can't afford to live in the city mm-hmm. because they made more housing yeah. and they made housing so impossible. And and, and at the same time, the way that confu- consumerism has increased, the only way a country can create GDP now is by making more and more people busy so that the land can be gobbled up and the resources can be taken, right? In order to blindsight people and into telling them, you don't need your own property, just let us take care of you, right? And this is something that I'm seeing more and more now. I'm really seeing that um, as our population is not growing, what's happening to our quality of life? Yeah. That's going down. But the illusion is, is that it's going up. Everybody has a car. Everybody has an apartment. Everybody has work. I would say the opposite. I would say uh, a healthy, wealthy society, nobody needs to work. Yeah, it's true. Right? So mm-hmm. the fact that everybody's working to build shit we don't need. Mm. And I ask myself again, a hundred years ago, people didn't have to, when they moved into a new place, rip everything out and replace it with cheap Chinese shit that only lasts a couple a couple years or yeah. a decade until the next apartment's available. Right? Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to go into the very last thing, and that'll be it for today, because okay. <laughs> this is a long show. We made it to two hours and 11 minutes so far. Wow. How do you feel, Maddie? Yeah, I can see your eyelids shutting. Mm-hmm. It's Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All righty. <laughs> um, last topic I, w- I wanted to get into, and that is temperature. Hmm. Let's talk about temperature. Now, this is something that uh, I, I'm not bringing this up in order to stir the pot you know I'm, I'm not i'm not trying to necessarily create entropy and 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 um and, and go against let's t- let's say mainstream ideas and topics mm. i'm saying this because i enjoy checking my reality and sometimes mm-hmm. and quite often actually when i go deep dive into certain things mm-hmm. it's scary to see how different reality is presented to us um in a, in a, in a in a media and corporatocracy right empire world that we live in so um Let me see. I'm going to get this forward. I'm going to open these guys up one at a time. So here we go. Take a look at this. How many of you out there have heard the global average surface temperature is rising and it's so dangerous? Mm -hmm. The anthropomorphic, which is the man-made cause of all of this shit, is is, is killing us. Mm -hmm. We have to stop. Now, my opinions and beliefs aside... I want to show you guys a couple things. This is the graph that I see everywhere when people are talking about this topic, Mm -hmm. right? And we know this in our industries and a big part of my industries is we got to make things more efficient because of anthropomorphic effects. And I'm thinking, maybe you just stop buying shit you don't need and that'll Mm -hmm. take care of itself, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the way that things work. We have to buy stuff that we don't need to make things change. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's number one. Now, the next one, 
is is a is is a funny little diagram that I came across, and I wanted to show it to you first. This is uh, the different epochs, the eras mm-hmm. of whom is that? Our, Where's I, that? Source I don't, from? Doesn't say. This oh, is just okay. a nice picture I found online. Um, maybe next time I'll quote the source when I uh, look into it more. But sixty million years ago, sixty-five million years ago. Um, is the end of the Paleocene, or the sorry, the beginning of the Paleocene and the end of the Cretaceous era, mm-hmm. right? We live in the Holocene. Other people like to call it the, what do you call it? In Anthropocene. Germ- <laughs> well, at, at, in Germany, you say that. Uh, in, in English, we say uh, um, Anthropogene, I believe. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, we live in uh, an area, an era that is man-made as we call it today, but realistically, we're in the Holocene. Before the Holocene, we had the, Pleist- uh, the Pleistocene and the, the Pliocene and so on and so forth. Now, the next part I'm going to show you guys is is uh, is funky because now that you have, you know, you have kind of an idea that, yeah, there are many eras and there are many epochs on 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 the planets that we've been through. I, I've always been interested in, you know, um, ancient, our ancient history, our ancient past at the same mm-hmm. time, like I mentioned before, stories of, of uh, hollow earth and so on and so forth, the myths of man that talk about them. And this is the global average temperature now going all the way back to um, 65 million years ago, mm-hmm. right? And as I just previously mentioned, um, Going back that that far ago, this is the end of the Cretaceous era, right? So the dinosaurs, they're dead. They're no longer they're they're gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, what had happened was our global average temperature was so much hotter in the Eocene area, right? So you have the Paleocene, which is here, right? And we actually maybe at the peak of the Paleocene era, we're just about there right now, right? And you go into the um, Eocene, I believe that's how you pronounce it, um, and you had this huge hot house, warm house uh, thing happening, right? And then you go down into the beginning of the Holocene, actually during the, the Pleistocene era, and the temperature during our last ice age. And previous, like even before our last ice, you go back 70,000 years ago, right? Um, dropped. And it dropped immensely to the point that we had a bottleneck on this on this planet of uh, estimated by many to be 10,000. So the population of our species went down to 10,000 people, mm-hmm. right? Um, I only put this forward, not to say that, you know, Anthropomorphic issues are not issues. I think yeah. that human, as as humans, I think that our pollution is outrageous, yeah, right? But true. the question is now, how much of that pollution is coming from the people, and how much of it is coming from a cult of people orchestrating large corporations globally? How much of that is really something that you, with your choices, can affect change upon, or are you just supposed to be made to be mad? Are you supposed to look at this? Is this all for our witness? Is this all just for our entertainment to a degree, right? All the crap that we see online, all the stuff that we see in the media, it's presented to us through the media. And the media's job, just like Madeline was talking about with her rabbits being single, their job is to get your attention. Mm -hmm. So this is all made for your attention. Yeah. So. And also to make you feel a certain way. 
that's the other thing. You know, like like Neil Kramer well said, he said, Empire does its due diligence in attempting to keep the human species mm. procreating just enough, right? Just a little bit, just yeah, enough, yeah. but in pain. Yeah, I remember that was, um, I don't know, at one of the shamanic conferences I've been to, that there was a shamanic healer from the Sami, you know the Sami, mm -hmm. I think one yeah, of the North last, Finland. Yeah, yeah, one of the last indigenous tribes in Europe, I think is the last. The, well, indigenous own. to whom? <clears throat> I mean, uh, 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 this is that, that's, that's, that's that question, and this is one of these things that the Sami are put forth as an indigenous population because yeah. they were there supposedly as early as the um, Ice Age, but that that's that's that thing. What does indigenous but mean? Still, they still have a very active culture. In the, on a they do. Point yeah. of view. They, yeah, they're a very fascinating culture, and I don't say yeah. that to put them down at all. Yeah, I say yeah. that because in in North America we have the same story where we talk about Native Americans being the indigenous mm. culture, but there is clear archaeological evidence yeah. that we had European people there twenty thousand years ago, which yeah. was eight thousand before that. The word indigenous is something that I don't really like mm. because I th because we have man as mankind we've been moving around for a long, long, <clears> long time, and the idea of indigenism. Um, is a political thing. Mm -hmm. And I just say that, right? Uh, because um, the native, uh, the Salmi people, they're a very fascinating people, right? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They're like these 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 crazy blonde haired, uh, <laughs> um, they, they look almost Eurasian, right? Uh, mm -hmm. People and they live way up in the North Pole and they do really well, just mm -hmm. like the Inuits, you know? Yeah, so they um, they had an interview with, with one of the kind of the shamanic leader of that group Actually, was his, his his son, so he was taught by his grandpa and mm -hmm. grandfather and his father, and he said that both his grandfather, grand grandfather, and his father both said that the way it's portrayed in in the media with the whole temperature rising, that we are responsible for this, and this is the main cause for everything. They they say they don't experience it like that through the shamanic work. There, it's 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 not like that. Mm. It's right. it's um, something that is pushed over over the edges in a way that, I don't know, as you said, you know, there's a specific purpose behind that. But mm -hmm. they they said just from their work and and their, yeah, I think the connections with the spirits that they have, that it's not like it seems to be. That's right. Which, That's right. again, I also felt like they're not saying it's it's not... It's not happening and it's not that because of our way we live that, you know, the temperature is rising, but it's not the way it's it's supposed to like it's not the way it's brought to us well i i think that regardless as to what it is and how it is yeah um shaming people and um reducing mm -hmm. human potential is yeah, and never and, ever the answer and it's not the 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 things that are as consequences what they say we should do i think it's not what what will help at the end it's just kind of Maybe even greenwashing. <laughs> right. I don't know, but this is not how how we should look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're going to end on these notes today. Yeah. This yeah. has been a very long episode, and honestly, um, I think I'm going to take a few parts of this and turn it into few further episodes later on because I think they are huge topics. Mm. As I, uh, you know, just the idea of of connecting to reality. Right, mm. what that really means—it's such a multifaceted conversation. Whether mm -hmm. we be talking about absurdity, whether it be acknowledging the amount of sim stimulus, like mm -hmm. the oversensory that yeah, we constantly yeah, yeah. have going on, learning to filter 
right? Learning to adapt and and to um, manage with this with what we're building and doing. It's it's so much. Yeah. So I don't think smart home stupid people is going anywhere <laughs> in the near future. We have a lot to talk about. True. Yeah. Thank you everybody for coming in today. Those of you who decided to uh, chime in, awesome. <laughs> Thank if you. not, and you just enjoyed listening to it or you want to listen to it later on in podcast format, guys, awesome. Yeah. If you want to be able to contact us, the best way to do so is via the Telegram app. And as I mentioned, get the app. Once you have that, Smart Home Stupid People is the channel. Smart Home Stupid Chat is where you can write us messages and you can mm -hmm. ask us questions and um, submit show ideas and start a conversation with us, which we will gladly bring into the lights in one of our further episodes in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So. One thing I just uh, thought about, mm -hmm. actually, you know, these these kind of diagrams that are put out with the temperature, all that, I think if we would put out a diagram of, I, I know these data don't, doesn't exist, but if how people are seeing their <clears throat> seeing their their environment how they're connected to nature how that has changed over the last right. decades that would be something alarming that would be something important to show because then you can really see that there mm -hmm. is was something changing in the way we perceive nature from the people as i just call them indigenous <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know a couple a couple hundred years ago and they're still existing but yep. just the way we live with and from nature until today how we perceive nature if that would be um, portrayed Right. As a diagram, you would clearly see that there this is where it's 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 happening. This is where we should should take actions. And the actions would be bring people back to that connection. And how would we do that to really put them back into nature and, and yep. kind of, you know, say, well, now you grow your own food or just really mm -hmm. make them aware of that we are part of nature. And then all of these problems that we have, I they promise dissolve. you, they will dissolve. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And this would be so easy. Just you put them in, you know, these informations into the into the kindergartens. You I think you found, your, uh, you found your, your next book <laughs> and publication, well, right? I already have that in my head. But yeah, this is basically, um, it's easy. I would say it's easy. It's just, it's just not happening. Yeah, I would say that it takes a lot of negative input in order to create the world that we have today. And it takes yeah. a lot of energy to keep it on this path. Yeah, and once true. that... Once that stops, I think that we naturally revert into yeah. a in, into a better species. Well, and you can already see it. I mean, so many people are fed up with everything, right? They they are suffering so much that now they're looking for alternatives. They are start looking into new age stuff, <laughs> into yeah. shamanic works. I I would say I'm I'm into that area for a couple of years now, and I can see how how many more people are coming to the shamanic foundation and are interested in the classes and just want to learn more about because they they feel something is not right here and they want to yep. change it. So I think we are actually at a very cool point where things can turn around because we kind of reached a point. It's it's just too much. People can't take it anymore. Yeah, I I, I think that's the thing is that a lot of people internally are snapping and this is, this goes back to that idea of when people are put under enough stress what happens are they going to create a, mm. a, a a split personality to deal with the stress some do yeah yeah and that split personality is a complete disconnect yeah right it's it's a way of the body and it's the true. mind protecting itself being numb to not damage even further right so and that's yeah. how you see all these people with the dramas they're disconnected from themselves and that's also yeah. from everything around not able to feeling empathy for themselves and everything else mm. and that's how we well, ended up i think that a lot of people have it in small parts Right. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's to me, I'm seeing a lot of people that want to connect, but in order to survive daily, they have to disconnect. 
Yeah, it's and true. and this is where you know when you go out the and you see that now. first persona that a lot of people put forward. Yeah, it, it, it's more that disconnected persona. But if you actually mm -hmm. go to meet the person mm -hmm. in a different environment, mm -hmm. that persona changes and they become a lovely person. I find to be often the case. True. Yeah. So. Yeah. Regardless. So yeah, that's what I wanted to add. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Then have a beautiful rest Sunday. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, we will be back Wednesday next weekend. We probably won't be live because Madeline will not be here. But yeah. Wednesday you will be here. I'm there on Wednesday. Wednesday. I'll be here. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Yeah. Until then, have a lovely weekend. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>